episode 201. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good at topic, good at taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. And you the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I thought we were going to have to vamp for a second there. There was a huge delay for that hammer time. Yeah. Frank, are you like, what, what are you talking into? You got a piece of shit headset on? Uh, it's earbuds. Yeah. It sounds like shit. Crap. Yeah, you're fine. Whatever. You, you've never cared about your audio quality, ever. Well, usually it's the content that suffers with me. No. A lot of, yeah, that too. I mean, you're, you're, you're 0 for 2. So, yeah. Your audio, I don't know. You'll, you're fine. Nobody listens anyway to you. Uh, you. You better come strong with the dick jokes. Don't encourage God, that. that. Don't. <laughs> it's all he's got. He's 0 for 2. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Episode 200 was last week, and that was, uh, it was, uh, it went a lot better than I thought it did. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you just don't know what you're getting into when you record one of those big, you know, I mean, there could be technical <laughs> issues, like, you know. And uh, there could be, uh, I don't know, you could get a troll on the show with you. You don't know. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. No, I hear you. It's kind of like the Jenga board of podcasting, like one one wrong piece and the whole thing's going to topple. So we got lucky. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, good stuff. Uh, I got some uh, episode 200 reaction emails. Uh, first one, <laughs> Ooh. Nice. First one comes from uh, Josh Stowell or uh, Stoll. I don't know how to pronounce your name. Put pronunciations. If you get, if you know, if you got a fucked up name, you know what I mean. Yeah, put the put the key. This. What does it rhyme with? Help us out. Throw us a life preserver. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, phonetic a, spelling. Yeah, give us the phonetic spelling of your name. I mean, it's either I think it's Stowl, but it could be Stole. You know, Stole, Stowl, Tomato, Tomato. I don't know. But if you got a <laughs> fucked up name, help us out a little bit. You know, it's fucked up. People have been fucking it up your whole fucking life. You know what I mean? Yeah, you might have a fucked up name if every other person that reads it pronounces it wrong. Exactly, so. exactly. I'm I'm, I'm going to throw it out there that it's jo- uh, Joshua Stowell. So uh, here we go. Hey guys, I got just done. I uh, got I just got done. I I can't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> I just got done listening to episode 200, and holy shit, that was an experience. Uh, I thought the episode was great, but by far my favorite part was Jake. Sharing the news that he hit rank four in Hearthstone. 
Congrats, uh, man. Yeah, just rubbing it in. He's just rubbing it fucking right. I, I'm glad I pronounced your name wrong on one of those. I hope he really means that and he's not being sarcastic. Uh, when you compare the capstone of 200 episodes of fantastic content versus the casual news of Jake hitting rank four in my favorite card game, it's clearly no contest as to which is more important. In honor of Jake's amazing accomplishment, here are four quick facts about hitting rank four in Hearthstone. <laughs> Number one, less than 5% of players typically hit rank four in a given month. Number two, rank four is symbolized by the Mountain Giant card. Number three, the most popular class at rank four in August was Druid. Oh man, these are riveting facts. I'm, I'm, I'm only... hey, you know what? You know what? I did that shit with fucking warrior. Fuck druid. Oh, I ate druid. Yeah, yeah. Take that, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I can uh, smoke on that cigar. Uh, <laughs> no, you're a badass. Sorry, I was waiting for. I was waiting for more facts. No, you're just. You're just a badass, Jake. <laughs> oh, I know. Fuck those druids. I you, hate them. You're just like, you're just a Hearthstone badass. Um, <laughs> number four, yeah, fuck them druids. I've always said that, man. Always. <laughs> it's I, my motto. Dude, I got that tattooed on my shoulder. Fuck those druids. <laughs> fuck oh, those damn, druids. dude. And on the other, I'm going to hit my chest real quick. On the other uh, shoulder, I've got, uh, those are not the druids you're looking for, because I'm a fucking warrior, <laughs> bitch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's good <laughs> shit. Uh, number yeah, four. Druids are about to get nerfed though next week, so. Oh, yeah, you, you hey, you know, you, I know. <laughs> Believe me, man. That's all, that's all I've been able to talk about all week. Woo, man. Yeah. Wow. Look out, t- Druids. Yeah. Uh, number four. <laughs> Jake achieved the rank of Dad Legend, a moniker for people with real lives who hit rank five, but don't have a million hours to grind to Legend rank. I'm sure all this means something to you, Jake. Yeah. I always thought that it was only the 3% made it to rank 4, so oh. that kind of brought me down a bit. Oh, no. Oh, man. So 2%, I hope, man. I hope my fact's correct and his is wrong. You were riding that uh, druid high there for just a moment. <laughs> I know. Oh, that was, warrior high. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> I don't mean to talk out of turn there. Uh, he goes on to say, Brian, wake up. Uh, you know, please br- wake Brian out of the coma I just put him in. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better, I'm having a really terrible month this month. All right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm only sitting at like a 10 right now. Uh, yeah, my spirits are lifted. I, you know, <laughs> just the f- I don't know. See, what people don't understand is like they listen to the episode and then they hear me gripe about you talking about your hearthstone shit and what they don't understand is like it's not like it's just like this little fucking isolated incident like brian's just being a dick brian gets on the show somebody mentioned jake mentions hearthstone and i just start to piss and moan about it they don't understand that like during like some of our recordings you know we take a break jake is non-existent he's playing hearthstone <laughs> now, hold on, let me take it a step further. See, they don't understand. That's not true. It's only about seventy percent of the time. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Seventy <laughs> percent is enough. See, that's the thing. Like, we can't hold your fucking attention. That's the thing. And like, and like, uh, I'd be like, uh, hey, Jake, can uh, can we, you know, we take a break, come back from the break. You guys ready? Guarantee 
guarantee, I'd say 50% of the time when you're not ready, which is every time, but 50% of those every times that you're not ready for me to hit record, you're finishing a fucking game of Hearthstone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. It wasn't this time, though, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. And here's the other thing they don't understand is we went to Great America, and we're hanging out with Jared Gafford, who we don't get to see all the fucking time. And he's wanting to chat and talk and stuff like that. What's Jake wanting to do? He's wanting to connect the Wi-Fi and fucking play Hearthstone. Right there, <laughs> right there in the line, in the line for a ride. Jake is wanting to play this fucking Hearthstone. See, they don't, they don't hear about this stuff. They just hear Brian getting on here, pissing and moaning and bitching, and they're thinking, oh, Brian's just fucking pissing and moaning and bitching about nothing. Why are you getting so upset, Brian? It's this shit. It's the shit that they don't see, Jake. Yeah, I, and I, Honestly, I mean, to pull the curtain back, I personally think myself the bigger dickhead than you because, you know, I'm kind of – when I brought it up last episode, it was, a uh, geez, this is going off the rails. What is the most boring, tedious thing I could bring up right now? Yeah. And I, I quickly went to Hearthstone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. There needs to be like a documentary about you sad, pathetic warrior druid fucks that play this game and they need to call it – they need to call it Hearthstoned. Because you, you are fucking hearthstoned, I tell you, man. <laughs> I cannot lie. I've definitely been hearthstoned a few times. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to say, in all seriousness, episode 200 was awesome and a fitting celebration of the awesome community you've built. The show definitely helps my Monday suck a lot less. I'm really looking forward to your reviews of the end of the year trifecta of Thor, Justice League, and Star Wars. I want all three movies to be great. But if I had to pick one to suck, I definitely want to hear you guys shit all over Justice League. Thanks <laughs> thanks for the great content, and keep up the good work. And that's from Josh Stowell. So thank you, Josh. Yeah, last time I'll bring it up, I swear, but Josh said it was his favorite game, so I, I kind of want to know if I can kick his ass. Oh, wow. The gauntlet has been thrown, badass. <laughs> right there. Oh, man. <laughs> The gamer challenge. Uh, game of the ages. Jeez. This is like, you, you guys, yeah, this is going to be another part of that fucking documentary. You guys seen uh, Fistful of Quarters, the uh, King of Kong? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, forget McGregor Mayweather. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, here's the Clash <laughs> Get of the, your hundred bucks out for this. Clash People of the Titans. People line up to stream that shit. <laughs> All right, yeah. Ben Levine. Uh, hey, guys, I just found you a few months back on Reddit. But I've, been, I've become a big fan and got super excited for each new episode after listening to number 200 and hearing more about the community you've built. I really wanted to reach out to thank you for putting together such a wonderful show. What I love about PCL Beyond the Laughs is how you not only nerd out about the content, but how your co-hosts' cords and their mics run up against their beards. I love that sound. I don't know what I'd do without hearing that sound. Um... Man, this is crazy because I was just thinking like I'm actually hearing like beard noises right now, and here he is talking about it. This is bizarre. This is fucking uh-huh. crazy. Wow. This... Well, I shaved, so I don't know if it's mine or not, but I shaved. It's the synergy. It, it yeah. must be me, but I thought I had it pulled away. Okay. Anyway, he goes on. What I love about PCL Beyond the Laps is how you not only nerd out about the content, but really look at the things through the studio and creator's perspective on both the creative and business side. I'm a student at the University of Chicago trying to get a career in the entertainment business, and it was really cool in particular to hear a podcast talk about content in such interesting ways while I was interning at a studio in L.A. this summer. 
Thanks again for the laughs and the companionship for so many hours these past few months. I'm really pumped to try to become more involved with your awesome community, too. Already looking forward to next week's show. Ben. So thank you, Ben. Awesome fucking email. Yeah, I praise you, Ben. Yeah, good shit. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, we got tons of shit. We got lots of content and all that shit. We're going to get to it, so chill, chill the fuck out. Um, I did want to take a moment. After episode 200, we had a lot more Patreon supporters. Uh, I want to thank Stephanie Chapman, Todd Parrish, Joshua Stahl, Jared Gafford, Pete Weaver, Jacob Marks, Dave Feyman, Joe Martin, and Gary Sardina. So thank you. It's either Gary Sardinia or Gary Sardina. <laughs> he didn't give you the uh, pronunciation there, huh? No, nobody helps. Nobody helps. <laughs> it's like zero help. Figure it out yourself, asshole, you know? Wow, that's awesome. We got like – that was like ten people there I think you listed off, right? Uh, it's nine. Nine people. Wow. Yeah. So thank you so much. It's awesome. Very cool of you people. That's so amazing. So – yeah, and a lot more people joined uh, the Leftover Army page in the past week. Did we double? No, we didn't double. We no, got no. Uh, 80 more people. 80 more people. Damn, yeah. son. Yeah. Good so. stuff, good stuff, though. Yeah, yeah. Frank, it's too bad you're not in there kicking half these people. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not down with social media stuff, Bill. You power crazy son of a bitch. Uh, (laughs) Banhammer went so crazy, I banned myself. Oh, man. (laughs) Hey, Jake, you know, last week on episode 200, I talked about... uh, Oh, yeah, we talked about um, you not watching... Well, we reviewed a movie on the show, episode 11, The Lone Ranger. (laughs) And uh, it was a movie that you admitted to me. This is like, you know, fucking... uh, uh, yeah, like Barbara Walters. Four or five years later? Yeah, four years later. Barbara Walters sit down where you <laughs> tell me, like, Brian, I never watched The Lone Ranger. So everything that came out of my mouth was bullshit, dude. It was tra- kind of driving me crazy, and I had a long drive yesterday. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna, it's, that episode's only an hour and a half. I'm going to throw it on, give it a listen. I got to hear Jake. I got to hear these reactions about this movie <laughs> he never watched. And it was, dude, I'm telling you, man, fucking Oscar-worthy performance. I would have I would have never known. <laughs> you're saying... Oh, man, I really want to hear it. Dude, you're saying shit like, uh, you know, um, I was going to... I was teetering on a toss-it, but, you know, I'm just going to give it a taste-it. This is back when we didn't have, like, you know, uh, low-taste-it. Oh, low-taste-it. Yeah, we hadn't even done low-taste-it, high-taste-it. Um, and so you're like... I would have made it way easier. That would have made it way easier to fake. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and so then you go on to talk about how, uh, you know, it got a little convoluted in the middle, ran a little, little, it was a little convoluted. Um, you know, yeah, you said the, the origin story of the Lone Ranger though was just fascinating. Later on, you brought up the action sequences and you said the action was so kinetic. And, uh, <laughs> just, just listening to it, just knowing that like none of this, like none of this is genuine. Just, I've still I, never seen it. It, it. it was fucking cracking me up the entire fucking time. Before that, before we did the review, though, like uh, we did like our regular news segments, and like it's it's just an, it's insane to me how the show what, is. What did we talk about? I'm gonna get to that. Yeah, it's oh. it, it's insane to me that how how different our show is now than it was back then. I mean, some of the things are the same, but I mean, there's a lot that's different, man. It was it's it was so weird because. Um, 
number one, like I am so I'm so dismissive dismissive of you. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's so glaringly like obvious. It's awful. I felt I I was hating myself on that episode. <laughs> and then and then okay, listen to this, dude. Four fucking years ago. We're doing we we had crow reboot news. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> so I mean we talked about a bunch of other stuff. But uh we were uh, it was the episode before we did Pacific Rim, so we're all excited about that and and hoping that it was gonna be good and stuff like that and and Who's uh, on that episode, is it? It's all four of us. It's uh me, you, Dan Hill and Jay. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the the original, <laughs> the original four horsemen of the PCL apocalypse. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm ever gonna watch Lone Ranger. Oh man, it's so funny to listen to me. I loved the film, and I'm like, oh, I love this film. It's so good. And like, I'm like, I can't wait to watch it again. And and I, Jake, I've never watched it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jay says something about yeah, this is going to be in my Blu-ray collection. I can't wait to watch it again. I guarantee if I ask Jay if he ha- if he owns it, he doesn't. So yeah, he probably didn't go see it either. I yeah, bet. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty funny shit, man. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun going back and listening. Number one, just to, like how different we are. We were talking about Ghostbusters three too, and how you know. Oh wow! Like, yeah, just crazy man absolutely crazy going back and listening to like these old episodes it's just so weird you gotta send me the link to that one because i it won't let me get it on itunes i just go to the website the website has every episode okay good stuff every episode all you have to do is go scroll all the way down to the search engine type in lone ranger and it's the only thing that pops up because we've never talked about it again (laughs) (laughs) Like 190 episodes later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the first time it's been brought up since. <laughs> uh, or I guess last episode. We do have some iTunes reviews, so I'm going to get into that. It is now time for iTunes reviews. <laughs> it's iTunes reviews. First one comes from Jeff Adamek. It's five star. And uh, he goes on to say, I have become a big fan. I love the honest and sometimes unfiltered reviews and opinions of the show hosts. Even if I disagree, they are keeping it real. Did I read this one already? Uh, I don't know. I, I like it, though. It's yeah. It's flatter and you can read it again. Fucking A. <laughs> thank you, Jeff. I like it. It's a good one. So thank you, Jeff, for the five star. Uh, Jay Pollock, 83. Uh, this is titled Old Dusty. <laughs> That's after, uh, what was it, episode 199 where I was talking about Old Dusty in the strip club. He goes on to say, if you like strippers with C-sections and bad boob jobs, you'll love this podcast. Even though I'm <laughs> deaf, I still love this podcast. Keep it up, guys. It's a five star. <laughs> Wow, lots of Easter egg PCL jokes there. Yeah, lots of Easter egg PCL jokes. Uh, this one, the next one comes from Mr. Bafflegab. Can you say that again? Do I have to? <laughs> yes. Okay, it comes from Mr. Bafflegab. <laughs> oh, 
Okay. <laughs> Sounds like one of those. I guarantee you got a Mr. Ba- ba- Baffle Gab Funko Pop sitting on your fucking shelf, don't you, Jake? That one's too rare. It's too hard for me to get. Oh, yeah. Was that a, <laughs> was that a Hot Topic exclusive or some shit? Yeah, yeah. FYE. Uh, FYE exclusive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, it's a five star, and Mr. Bafflegab goes on to say, "Good." <laughs> <laughs> I like his name better than the review. I'm baffled by his gab. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna retire that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was pretty baffled by your gab right there too. <laughs> yeah, jeez. <laughs> Wow, Frank, we're killing Frank with this. Oh, I know. Are you, Frank, what are you talking about? Gab, gab, gab. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, Gregory Brasilette or Brasiletti. I don't expect you to leave a phonetic pronunciation in your iTunes review, but, you know, emails help, you know. Anyway, Gregory gives us a five star. It's the final iTunes review this week. So many offended old ladies is the title. And he goes on to say, Great fucking podcast. As a mailman, I listen to a fuck ton of podcasts during my 9 to 10 hour days. Now, I can't even begin to tell you how many shitloads of mediocre podcasts are included in that. I look forward to when I see your guys' hours-long podcast drop for two reasons. First, you guys are entertaining, even on a bad day of bullshit. But second, and most importantly, for the interactivity of your podcast. What other podcast is going to keep me from zoning out during my day of stop, deliver, go? Because I have to constantly be Batman ready for when the epithets and screaming cackle of laughter breaks out just as someone walks up to my vehicle to get their mail or the numerous old people who watch me like a hawk because they think I want to steal their mail. Sure. (laughs) Sure. I could get headphones, but I'd like to live dangerously. And I don't feel like buying headphones. Keep up the great work. End of ridiculously long review. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm jealous of those people that can just listen to podcasts all day. I think I want to be a mailman. That's my new career goal. Man, I want to get those uh, wireless earbuds that you can just pop in. Nobody knows you got them there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, That'd be nice. Like like the earbud type of things. Yeah. Yeah, that... uh, Airbud, you're making me think of that fucking 90s movie with the dog. <laughs> the dog. Oh, yeah, that's not what they're called. I forget what they're really called, but yeah. They're not Airbuds, because that's the dog. That's the dog. Who, who voiced that fucking dog? I don't know, but how many sports did that dog end up doing? Uh, he, yeah, he did. Did he start off doing basketball? Basketball was first, yeah. Yeah. And then I think after that, he like pretty much did the, did the ring. He did like hockey and boxing and baseball. <laughs> Did he really boxing? No, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing shit out there. Oh my! When it, uh, I checked out, when it was water polo, I was like, "This yeah, water is polo was <laughs> yeah, it's getting get a little ridiculous." And then, and then, and then, and then they had that one with Michael Vick, where yeah, that was bad. So, <laughs> that was that was that was the one directed by Eli Roth. Airbud, the final chapter. Yeah, it was directed by Eli Roth, and it was really fucking dark. So, oh my god. Yeah, I was not a big fan of that one. So, no, I mean, I wouldn't expect you to be. No, yeah, I mean, I was on Change.org signing petitions. I was like, this is fucked up. This is fucked up. Uh, <laughs> people, I love animals. People, chill out. 
Uh, oh yeah, I gotta, let me read this email because I didn't last week. Sean Anderson, um, hey leftovers, big fan of the podcast. Wanted to know what you guys thought about Bob's Burgers. I'm a huge fan and the show is definitely a Tupperware in my opinion. I'm into most things animation, both TV and movies alike, but I can't see what people like about Rick and Morty. I know you guys like it, and I've watched three or so episodes. I just can't get into it. Should I watch more, or is there a specific episode that will sell me? Anyways, keep up the good work and fuck off. Sincerely, Sean. <laughs> hmm. I, I myself have not seen a single episode of Bob's Burgers. Oh, I like Bob's Burgers. I'm not caught up current season, but I've chewed through everything that Netflix had. I, I like it. It's good. Yeah, I actually, it's set on my DVR. I, it's one of those shows that, like, if I've burned through everything, I, actually the first three seasons I loved and I watched it religiously, and now it's just kind of like, it's gotten into that territory where it's just kind of like, you know, it's not, not like a must see for me. So, I'll have them piled up on my DVR, and then when I've burned through everything that I want to watch and I just want to, like, shut my brain off, I'll turn an episode on. And But, uh, yeah, I like Bob's Burgers. I think it's a good show. So, And as, as far as Rick and Morty, I, an episode that you can watch, if you, if you don't, I mean, if you've watched three or four episodes and you don't like it, then you just don't like it, in my opinion. Yeah. You don't think you should move, like, watch at least a season two episode? Because I really do think season two kind of has a different feel than season one. That's where things start getting just way more outlandish. Yeah, I mean, you've got your introductions to the characters in the first season, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess try season two then. Listen to Jake, try season two. I just, you know, people don't like that show. I don't understand that. I don't understand how somebody could not like it. I just, uh, you know, comedies, comedies weird like that. You're, you're never going to have, you yeah, know, the whole I, audience like a comedy usually. But it's, I don't know. It's just so damn good for me. I don't, I just think that there's nothing else like it. I think like there's certain, you know, animated shows that do things that other ones aren't doing. Like I love how topical South Park has been lately. And how up-to-date and topical they've been. And I love just like Rick and Morty with the crazy sci-fi and, you know, wall, fourth, you know, fourth wall breaking humor. I, I don't know. I, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Maybe try a couple episodes in season two. I don't know which ones to direct you to. Cause if you don't like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah. If it's just that hidden with them, I mean, it just may not be for him. Yeah. You watch your Bob's Burgers there, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Fast food of animated shit. No, I'm kidding. I like I like Bob's Burgers. I'm like I'm, I like I love H. John Benjamin. I think he's great in everything. You know, Wet Hot American Summer, uh, Home Movies. You know, is he the Archer guy? Yeah, mm. yeah. Home Movies. That was a great show. Oh, I, I loved Home Movies. So good, so good. Guys, we're gonna we're gonna start off a little bit different this week because there was huge news that dropped in Star Wars news. So we're gonna start off this week uh, with uh, Marvel news. <laughs> that was the worst swerve I've ever given. What a swerve! I dropped my iPad. <laughs> a horrible swerve. As soon as it came out, I'm like, why did I even do that? That's just dumb. <laughs> just 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 tell people you're gonna do Star Wars news. That was so fucking lame. Oh my god, that's such. A, that's so bad. So, <laughs> I, I, I double-taked. I was really gullible for it. I was like, 
what? 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 Now here we go. Star Wars news. He got what the niece is saying. You were supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. That's not true. That's impossible. All right. Uh, yeah. Colin Trevorrow out as the Star Wars Episode Nine director. Let me start off. Uh, Jake, was this a big shock to you? Uh, yeah, it was a big shock to me. I mean, I I didn't really see any writing on the wall for right. this other yeah. than maybe his the critical reception for his previous movie, which I'm drawing a blank of what it was called. Uh, Book of Henry, but that's not the reason. I'm going to get into that. No, no, yeah. I know it's not the reason, but yeah. I'm just if there was any reason for me to have any foreshadowing that this would be coming, it would be that. But I did not have any foreshadowing of this coming. Uh, the foreshadowing it came as a complete shock to me. It came as a shock to me too. To be 100 percent honest with you, it did. But you know, when you go back and you look at everything, uh, the foreshadowing with like the script and things like that—that that was kind of a a thing that was, you know, out there. Of course, they thought we thought at first Ryan Johnson was writing it. Then we didn't know who was writing it. Then it's Colin Trevorrow, and then you know we hear that it's getting the script rewrites and all this other stuff. Frank, what did you think? It it's kind of shocking. I mean, you got that plus the shakeup with the Han Solo movie with the director stuff. It's getting me concerned about if they're more concerned about the vision as opposed to the people that they've hired to bring their take of these stories on. Mm. I think both those both those things go hand in hand. Yeah, I, Jake, I'm right there with you. I'm, I, uh, let, let me, I, we'll get into it. Lucasfilm made a statement. Lucasfilm and Colin Trevorrow have mutually chosen to part ways on Star Wars Episode Nine. Colin has been a wonderful collaborator throughout the development process, but we have all come to the conclusion that our visions for the project differ. We wish Colin the best, and we'll be sharing more information about the film soon. And I, I want you to listen to how similar that sounds to the statement by Lucasfilm when Phil Lord and Chris Miller were let go. Now that was <laughs> not libs. that was not <laughs> that was not mutual. Um, let me read the statement. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller are talented filmmakers who have assembled an incredible cast and crew, but it's become clear that we had different creative visions on this film, and we've decided to part ways. A new director will be announced soon. So, very similar in the wording. Uh, what's different is that both Lucasfilm and Colin Trevorrow decided to part ways. Phil Lord and Chris Miller, they had to be pushed out. So, uh, <laughs> completely different uh, there. But, uh, you know, like... Let's talk about what's going on here. What's going on at Lucasfilm? So Kathleen Kennedy, Jake, is it just wanting to get these young directors in there that are hot names and then finding out that they do have different visions going forward? The, I, I'm i split because I, I want Kathleen Kennedy – and Lucasfilm to be able to make the Star Wars movie that they want to make, that they feel confident is going to be a great movie because, like, that's what happened with Rogue One. Uh, and I think Rogue One was a success by all accounts, man. I loved the film. And, mm -hmm. you know, we got Gareth Edwards in there. And 
we hear that, you know, Tony Gilroy's being brought in to do, you know, script rewrites and, no, excuse me, uh, script, yeah, script rewrites and like reshoots. But we, you know, what we haven't gotten confirmed is the fact that Tony Gilroy was actually brought in after they got rid of Gareth Edwards, told him to shut up about it. We're still going to give you directorial yeah. credit on it. And he's going to refilm about, we don't know, anywhere from 30 to 50% of the film. And so it's one of those things where, like, that's what they did in that case. And I loved Rogue One. So with Han Solo, is it the same thing? And also with Episode Nine, is it the same thing? I mean, you got to understand, Jake, that Colin Trevorrow was actually hired before Ryan Johnson was hired for Episode Eight. So yeah, maybe, I remember. Yeah, maybe maybe he had different visions for Episode Nine than what Ryan Johnson did. I'm sure they worked hand in hand a little bit here and there, Jake. But you kind of have to, right? It's like yeah. a relay race a little bit when you're doing the chapter films. You kind of have to pass that baton. Yeah, but like JJ and Ryan, they were working together, but JJ wouldn't budge on certain things that Ryan wanted him to change in The Force Awakens. So it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, and I'm not saying that there's bad blood between those two directors at all. I'm just saying, like, you know, uh, for as much as the creative freedom that Ryan Johnson said that he was given on episode eight, which those statements, it's kind of crazy that they come out right after like, you know, directors having contention with uh, the studio. That's weird how those statements would come out. But yeah, I do agree that it, it does. It is very like crazy that it comes out back to back like that. But we followed Ryan Johnson on social media all this time. Yeah. And it almost feels like that does kind of back up the statement. I think both things are true that he really has been given a lot of freedom and they put that statement out there with a purpose to kind of say, Hey, we're not complete dickheads here. I am not, disag- Ryan Johnson I, have his I'm not disagreeing about that at all. What I'm saying is like, I am kind of stuck right now on like, I'm not, I can't really pick a side here because yes. I feel bad for Colin Trevorrow. I do because this guy has wasted two years of his life now on this. He got hired. It was announced at D23 back in August of 2015 that he would be the director for episode nine. Here we are two years removed and the guy gets let go. And so he's wasted two years of his life working on this and he's got no yeah. credit. And, and he gave up his spot to, to, to direct Jurassic World 2. Yeah, that's huge. I, I have really mixed feelings about this too, Brian. I it's I don't know. Part of me does want Kathleen Kennedy to be a little bit rigid when it comes to the saga films, the yeah. chapter films. Yeah. And and make sure that the right stuff is going on. Yes. And it makes me feel a little bit more secure. It's very unfortunate for Colin Trevolo that it's you know, he wasted his time, but he did get to make a movie in those two years. And now is the time. Like, this is way better than letting them do half or more of the movie. You know, like, okay, let's just roll the dice anyway, even though we're kind of button heads already. Like, I would rather they see the writing on the wall. But I do have big mixed feelings about it. I kind of wish they wouldn't be so rigid when it came to the uh, anthology movies. Mm-hmm. I wish they would kind of let those be the artistic vision movies mm-hmm. so we could have the best of both worlds. You know, they can be studio assholes with the saga films. Yeah. And I'm fine with it. But let's let's have fun with these anthology movies. Let's like you can only make Star Wars movies for so long. And I think unless you start really taking some creative liberties with it, mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> no, I. So I wish uh, I'm way more still upset about the Lord and Miller departure than I am about this latest news. Uh, me too. Me too. I feel bad for Colin, but I also I want a, the movie to be great. Of course, it's the final, you know, episode in this in this trilogy of the saga, and I want it to be great. So, if they've got to get him out now rather on later on down the road. It's just crazy that the creative differences, were they there all along? That's the thing I want to know. Did he it was did he have to wait until Ryan Johnson finished his film before he could really get an idea of what he was going to do in his film? That's the thing that you know, is he just kind of like waiting in the wings watching Ryan and then, and then all of a sudden the creative differences come about because they've actually, I, I, as far as I've heard, the film's locked. Like they've got it ready to go. Like it's locked. Hmm. So hmm. that's what I've heard. Now there might be. Who is the screenplay by in episode nine? Isn't Ryan Johnson himself involved in that n- screenplay? No, he was not. That was the original oh, yeah. rumor. And then it was debunked and it was, uh, who, uh, episode nine was then taken on by Colin Trevorrow himself and Derek Connolly. Derek Connolly was Colin Trevorrow's, uh, uh, screenplay writer and collaborator when he did Safety Not Guaranteed, the independent film, which then that movie was so great. Steven Spielberg watched it, loved it and said, this is the guy that I want to go ahead and do Jurassic World. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you got Spielberg backing you. So this guy does does that movie. They're not going to kick him off Jurassic World even if they had problems with him because he's backed by Spielberg. You don't, you know what I mean? He didn't yeah. have that luxury when he came into episode nine. And so he had Gary, uh, Derek Connolly working on the script with him for episode nine. Now, Lucasfilm wasn't really happy with what they were doing, and so they brought in a third guy. They brought in Jack Thorne, and that's where they started butting heads. Like, and so Derek Connolly started having problems with Jack Thorne, and all, and, and all three of them were not seeing eye to eye. He was kind of like the guy, I guess, to rein them in. So that started the contention between director and studio. So that's basically, you know, what happened was Colin sided with Derek, his guy, and. Then him and Kathleen started having differences, and there's been some quotes about uh, Kathleen Kennedy this week from uh, people that I want to read here in a moment. But that's basically so what, what happened. What you're telling me, though, is the the script as of now is 100 percent a lock, though. No, I'm talking about the script for the no, the movie, the Last Jedi, the next oh, movie. Uh, the it's, Last Jedi. The okay. film's locked. Yes. See, what I'm saying is the film for the, it's locked. It's done. It's completed. Like it could roll right now is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So they basically had to wait. Did they, I'm asking, did they have to wait until the film was locked before they could like 100% creatively I, know what they were going to do? I know that they probably got like an early version of the script. Um, but it's just a, it's, it's a wonder to me that. They've taken like, you know, they took two or three cracks at the script before they brought in Jack Thorne. And now all of a sudden here we are two years later and Colin's getting fired. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to find out what is going to happen with the screenplay of episode nine. Yeah, because uh, Jake, as far as I know, it could be a day one rewrite right now. And this thing's supposed to start filming this year in November. Yeah, Man. I mean, may, worst case scenario, I mean, just halt. You're, they're going to have to halt production and make this one take a little bit longer because they want this thing out by May 2019, right? Yeah, but see, if they do, like, you know, 
let's say if they did go back to December 2019, now they've got to kind of work around Wonder Woman 2. So, mm. you know, I'm saying they could put it two weeks out, but still you've got to work around that. Uh, they're shooting for December for Wonder Woman 2? Yes, December. It's it's in December. Mm. That's crazy. Wow, that'll be huge. Yeah. Um, I was wrapping my head around that now. But, yeah, this is – um. This is really unfortunate. Um, you kind of imagine that I've heard the big rumor is that JJ may step in here, and that makes a lot of sense to me, yeah. especially with how good of a relationship he seemed to have on the writing standpoint with Kathleen and getting yeah. her to budge on stuff. Well, yes and no. They they, they, they had they had issues, um, and that's one of those things where I don't know if Kathleen would be like really happy to have JJ back because <laughs> she can't push him around, okay? Yeah, exactly. So they did. I mean, news came out that after Force Awakens, once it was all out and everything like that, and everybody loved it, then we started hearing reports about how Kathleen and JJ had like problems. So, you know, it's Ryan Johnson's the fucking golden boy, man. So I personally would love to see a screenplay by. I'd love to see Ryan Johnson come back in some capacity. I like. I I, I want to see him write and direct it, to be quite honest with you. Um, if they can get him to write it and then J.J. to direct it, that would be fantastic as well. I just – I don't know if those two could work together after they had issues. You know. Yeah, I'm not quite ready to co-sign that yet until I see The Last Jedi. So. I, I, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there right now with Ryan Johnson. I think – I think he's I think he's super talented and I think this movie's going to blow us away. So I, yeah, I think he's super talented too. One of the reasons but. that I say that, Jake, is not because it's like I'm 100% confident that the movie's going to be like amazing. Everything I've seen him do is amazing. Looper was great, Brothers Bloom is great, but I also it it makes me feel better to know that he has a great relationship with Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy, and it makes me feel more comfortable knowing that Episode Nine is not going to have issues if they get him in there. It's going to be a smooth process. Mm. Yeah, I could see that, but you never know. I mean, sometimes things don't turn bad until the second time. Look at, like, Favreau and Iron Man 1 and then Iron Man 2. Yeah, but that, that was Marvel so. introducing more of, like, the the extended universe. And I feel like, you know what I mean? I think it's different. Yeah. This is all brand new creative stuff. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, you, you have to have Darth Maul in episode nine. You know, it's basically, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's kind of just like, basically like, Hey Colin, do you want to pick up where you left off? Oh, <laughs> uh, sure. Sounds great. You know, you know, so I don't know. A lot of people were saying it was like this book of Henry thing that came out with Colin. So Colin got fired because of the book, book of Henry. I have found That's out. Funny. I have found out that Lucasfilm had actually seen the movie. They were well aware of the Book of Henry. They had already seen it, so it, that had nothing to do with it. That movie was filmed. That movie was filmed a long time ago because, like, Jacob Tremblay yeah. is younger in that film than he was in Room. So it was just the only context clue, yeah. that this could happen. Even yeah. though it, it turns out, like you said, that it wasn't even had no value at all to why he got fired. Right. Exactly. And I mean, you can say like, you know, oh yeah, Book of Henry is bad. We got to kick him off this thing. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, like Spielberg saw something in this guy, you know, come on. I mean, for Spielberg yeah. to see something in this guy, it says a lot. So it's kind of how we saw it work with uh Trank though, too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like it was like, oh, Fantastic Four was terrible. You are fired from the Star Wars solo project. Yeah, but Trank kind of had like a little bit of a meltdown, it felt yeah, like. Yeah, he definitely, yeah, he tranked out in the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, uh, let's see here. Vulture had more news about this that came out on Friday. I wanted to go over. Let me read this. Conspiracy Theory A maintains that the Book of Henry... Trevorrow's critically mauled, commercially stillborn art house pro- passion project, which arrived as the June follow-up to his $1.6 billion grossing sophomore COVID. What a scathing term. I know. Commercially stillborn. I know. That's horrible. <laughs> I, mean, I felt oh, dirty just saying culture. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I couldn't let that go by. That was nuts. No, well, I hope Colin doesn't read articles about him. Jeez. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're talking about that, uh, that movie may have given Lucasfilm cold feet. Star Wars remains after 40 years, eight films, and a combined $7.5 billion at the box office, arguably moviedom's most valuable intellectual property, and Henry's craptacular, wow! And, Damn. and Henry's craptacular reception exposed glaring liabilities in the director's ability to make the jump to light speed as the thinking goes. Whoever wrote this does not like him. There's been a lot of, uh, I don't know yeah. if you've been reading a lot of the, uh, <laughs> articles that go along with Colin Trevorrow and, uh, white privilege and things like that. But yeah, the media is kind of like destroying this guy right now. Some of these <laughs> outlets, um, talking about him and the white privilege and all that stuff. So yeah. Um, the aborted fetus of a movie book of Henry. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> Uh, but to hear speculation from a ranking Hollywood movie insider with direct knowledge of the productions uh, of the productions on both the Book of Henry and Jurassic World, and who requested anonymity out of concern for sensitive ongoing business relationships, Trevorrow's firing may have come more directly as a consequence of being quote difficult. Here's a quote: During the making of Jurassic World, he focused a great deal of his creative energies on asserting his opinion, the executive explains. But because he had been personally hired by Spielberg, nobody could say you're fired. Once that film went through the roof and he chose to do Henry, Trevorrow was unbearable. He had an egotistical point of view and he was always asserting that. Then during uh, pre-production on episode nine, Trevorrow's relationship with Lucasfilm top brass became reportedly unmanageable over the course of repeated stabs at multiple drafts of the script. When the reviews of Book of Henry came out, there was immediately conjecture that Kathy was going to dump him because they weren't thrilled with working with him anyway, the executive continues. He's a difficult guy. He's really, really, really confident. Let's call it that. Quote, there's one gatekeeper when it comes to Star Wars, and it's Kathleen Kennedy, says a veteran movie producer who has worked with Studio Chief. If you rub Kathleen Kennedy the wrong way, in any way, you're out. You're done. A lot of these young new directors want to come in and say, I want to do this. I want to do that. A lot of these guys, Lord and Miller, Colin Trevorrow, get very rich very fast and believe a lot of their own hype. And they don't want to play by the rules. They want to do shit differently. And Kathleen Kennedy isn't going to fuck around with that. Uh, I mean, she fucked around with it for like 80% of a movie in one circumstance. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. And I've heard other people say this, that, you know, there's the quote in here where, like, he, Trevorrow is an egotistical guy and he's confident. And it's like, 
to say unmanageable it said well don't you and i've heard other people say this so it's not like i'm directors are supposed to kind of be like that right yeah you want them to have a vision and just they kind of are that guy right exactly so like what if like this article was about steven spielberg or about quentin tarantino quentin tarantino you know like what if it was about one of those yeah, and, so and on, on situations like that, you just don't hire the person if you want to have more control over the project. Yeah, I mean, Greg, these Greg makes a very good point. Now, yeah, yeah, I get it, but it's one of those things where I think to be a good director, you can you can you can aspire to be a great director like Scorsese, Tarantino, Spielberg, and have kind of like a uh, ego, and or you can aspire to be a Peyton Reed and make Ant Man. So. You know, yeah. the thing with the Star Wars movie is it's never really going to be a single person's vision or film, you know, mm-hmm. anymore. It's, always, it used to it's be. always a giant recipe and a big mix of people. You know, it's not yeah. it's impossible. As much freedom as Ryan Johnson got, it's still not 100 percent his creative. No, vision. I'm just saying it used to be with George Lucas. It used to be like one man, you know, for the most part in his vision. Oh, yeah. Like that. Oh, yeah. Now with it being, you know, underneath, you know, the Disney banner, it's it's different. It's going to be a lot of different people. You've got Lucasfilm Story Group. You've got Kathleen Kennedy. You've got your director. You've got your screenplay writers. You've got all these different people involved. And um, so, yeah, I agree. It's just I, I don't know. I don't know who they're going to get on this thing. There's been rumors of, you know, people that – Kathleen Kennedy likes to work with. She likes she likes Brad Bird. Um, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, I've dreamed my whole life for a Sam Raimi Star Wars movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. Oh, I don't think it'll happen either. He does have a good relationship with Disney, though. Ava, um, do- even <clears throat> oh, go ahead. I was going to say, even though Oz was underperforming, didn't they were big fans of it? The studio, I I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, Ava DuVernay is another name that's been popping up. She's the director of Selma. And, you know, people are saying Kathleen Kennedy being a woman in, in a powerful position might, might, uh, might, you know, give the final film to Ava DuVernay. So I, um, I would be thrilled if it was, uh, Ryan Johnson or JJ coming back. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's what we need. So let him tag team it. That's what I was saying. I was like, best case scenario is JJ directs and Ryan writes the screenplay. You know? Yeah, that'd be cool. So, uh, all right. Kasdan will be like, Kasdan will be like, okay, I'll write one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any final thoughts on Colin Trevorrow, the firing? I have uh, one final thought on that. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> goodbye. Uh, all righty. <laughs> uh, Frank. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that it, it, it's it's that they're looking out for the property and that they want to make sure that the story's told it the way that they want it. Think, it's a little yeah. disturbing that it's like right on the edge of production, but... I think they should be able to pull it off. Hopefully, with something like what you guys are talking about with that collaboration effort. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I I I think that Kathleen Kennedy's kind of learned her lesson with Trank, Phil Lord, and Chris Miller, and and now Trevorrow. I think she's kind of learned her lesson. She's going to stick with the Ron Howards, with the you know the people that that are a little bit more 
that are older, more established that she knows she has good working relationships with. I I just think that she can't work. She's not used to these up and coming directors uh, that come in there with their own vision and want to make their Star Wars movies and and not abide by Let them do that. Let them do that in anthology movies that have nothing to do with characters that we've seen a hundred times. Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you. Oh, I, not, I know you're not. I, I know you're not. Yeah, but that, I, oh. I still would love to see that Phil Lord, Chris Miller, Han Solo film, the way it should have should have played out. You know, I, I was really looking forward to that. I, I don't know. I, I still think it would have been awesome. I do too. I got. I have a feeling it would have been great, and I don't know what we're gonna get now. We'll have to see. But um, Ant Man, it might be. I mean, it might just be the most mediocre film. <laughs> Star I, Wars episode vanilla. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Here we go. Uh, let's see here. The rest of Star Wars news is uh, what do we got? Uh, Orson Krennic. His name was dropped in uh, Rebel season four trailer, but mm-hmm. found out he's not going to appear in the season. Oh. So oh, I got some name dropping bullshit. Yeah, they they dropped his name in the trailer for season four of Rebels, and I found out Dave Filoni has come out and said, "Nope, Orson Krennic is not actually going to be in season four. So, hmm. yeah, looks like we're getting more Saw Gerrera, though. Yeah, yeah, getting more Saw Gerrera. What is it? Uh, Forrest Whitaker is he voicing him again this season? Uh, I'm not sure. I think he is. Oh, I bet he is. I bet he is. Saw That's a shame. Oh, it would have been cool to see Krennic. Yeah, I think so too, but yeah, I don't know. Just, I guess focus on Thrawn. Just focus on Thrawn. But, <laughs> you know, they might do something else with Krennic in the, in future animated shows. Yeah, maybe it's a swerve, just like your Star Wars Marvel thing earlier. Yeah. Filoni's just full of shit. Yeah, we'll find out. Uh, let's see here. Oh yeah, I was, uh, what was I doing? I was looking up, uh, I posted a picture of Forrest Whitaker on the Leftover Army page earlier this week, but, I was so I did a search for Forrest Whitaker so I could find a picture of him. And I saw this article; it was hilarious, and it was like a joke article. It was it wasn't the Onion, but it was something like the Onion, and it was like mm-hmm. uh, Forrest Whitaker's left eye announces retirement from acting. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! That may have made me whisker the mic. <laughs> yeah, I just I thought that hey, you know it, it takes a lot for like an article like that to like make me like laugh out loud, you know, and I. It, it was good. It was good shit. I found any more with the onion stuff. It's like the more outrageous, the funnier at yeah. this point. Yeah. Because if you know it's fake already, it, it's kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Benicio Del Toro's character in The Last Jedi has uh, has had this code name that we've been, you know, we've all been calling him DJ. And we know that's not going to be his real name, but DJ is even the name of the character on the Funko Pop box that came out on Force Friday. And, yeah. uh we might know what that stands for, um, that uh, DJ. Uh, it's the writing. Uh, there's uh, some like there's like something on his head, and uh, it's written in Arabic. And when translated, it says "Don't join." Huh. So, what people are saying is like, is he talking about the resistance or the First Order? And I, I think it all goes kind of back to like what John Boyega. Had said in quotes about you know, uh, as long as this war is going on, there's going to be people profiting from it, and DJ's one of those people, and he doesn't want it to end because he's he's profiting from it. So, you know, 
I can see honestly just by if, if you know by that don't don't join. He's probably talking about you know the resistance and and the first order. You know, don't join either. He's doing his own yes. thing and he's going to the highest bidder. Even though he knows Maz Kanata, and Maz Kanata is the one that you know introduces Finn and Rose to him, I can honestly see him like uh, getting like a uh, a message in the middle of the movie and double crossing Finn. Uh, I a hundred percent agree. The more and more I thought about this character, I've thought he would probably kind of be the Lando analog character. I was thinking Hondo, Hondo from you know Clone Wars and Rebels too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He would be that character, you know. You'd think you you were his friend, but he's going to do whatever he can to keep this thing going because he's you know profiting so much right, from it. Right. And as soon as the war is over, the profit's over. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it sounds like a really cool character. I've been taking the full house route with him now, though, and calling him Deej. Oh jeez, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm going to have a heart to heart sit down talk with you. When we take a break about your jokes this episode. <laughs> Deej. And we can oh, have, thank you. We can have like some music, soft music playing in the background and have like this, man, fucking full house moments. I'm telling you. Um, it's about, it's about time I got some pat on the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you some Danny Tanner loving. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, let's see here. Was, I, did I have anything else to say about that? I do. I, do you really think it's going to be like that big of a deal when we find out this guy's name? Uh, I don't think we'll ever find out his name. I think he's an unnamed character, at the, or at this point, we wouldn't have a Funko Pop box that said DJ on it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I think he'll be known by DJ as DJ for most of the movie. I just think it might, you know, it's like it's one of those things where, like, at the end of uh, you know, The Dark Knight Rises, we find out that. Uh, What's his face? His name is Robin. You know, oh, don't, don't use Dark Knight Rises as a model pattern. The Star Wars movie. Don't. Hey, hey, don't knock it. I, I'm one of the, I'm one of the uh, three people that enjoyed that film. So, uh, yeah, D just gonna be like, hey Finn, it was good working with you. Just so you know, my name's Steve. Now he's gonna be like Ezra out. Ezra out. <laughs> <laughs> And then we're going to see Chopper. like that's the day I stop podcasting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, More Star Wars news uh, coming from Toys. The new Star Wars TIE Silencer, which is Kylo Ren's new ship. Uh, And uh, it looks looks really awesome. And I found out, uh, Frank, Jake, it's going to be in uh, Battlefront 2. Oh, really? Yeah. So, anyway. I'm sure you're going to be rushing out to get that right. So... Actually, since there is a, uh, what is it? Now there's like a playable, like, uh, mode or whatever. You don't have to get online, you know? There's a story. Yeah, story mode. supposed to be. Yeah. I might, you know, I'd I'd play it. I'm actually wanting to play that Injustice 2. Is that out yet? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's out. Yeah, I'm wanting to play that. I'm going to see if I can get it at, like, Redbox and, like, play that. Yeah, I would like to play that with you. So, that'd be a lot of fun. I like those fighter games. Anyway. a lot, too. The cover, bo- cover art box for this TIE silencer, this Kylo Ren TIE, uh, tie silencer, uh, features uh, the TIE silencer, of course, and a new Death Star. So this is a uh, licensed Star Wars The Last Jedi toy. So people are speculating, like, 
this means we might see a new Death Star in the film. And then even <laughs> even the box says, from the new film, The Last Jedi on it. So people have been speculating, are we going to see another Death Star in this movie? Um, I, I'm saying no. I'm saying, like, this is, it just looks cool on the fucking box. We aren't getting another Death Star in this one. It, it could happen, but I, I don't see it happening, man. No, I, it's the same kind of shit. I mean, they were using Vader to sell imagery for Episode Seven on all the toys and stuff too. No, and no, see, yeah, there was uh, some of the to- some. Okay, I'd have to go back and look at it all, but there were some toys that weren't tied in with the Force Awakens. They were selling like, you know, some stormtroopers that weren't. They had other <laughs> toys that were coming out that weren't the Force Awakens toys. They were actually just toys that happened to come out at the same time. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. most of those, the, the most of the Force Awakens toys had Kylo Ren's mask on them. So that were yeah, that's a good point. I think you're right about that. Yeah, they just released a bunch of other garbage on the same day too. Yeah, I just you know, I just I think this is one of those things where they just threw a Death Star on there, and people are kind of flipping out about this saying like this is the third star wars film in a row where we get a death star even though star killer base was different you know because it was it's mobile it can move mm-hmm. and and you know it was a planet and i just i can i rewind and talk about the uh tie silencer for a second yeah uh i can't i don't know if i'm crazy but it, it looks a lot like a trade federation droid ship to me really yeah, right? It's got like that same kind of like wing pattern a little bit. I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of that design and then the the Kylo the Kylo ship cuz I think the Kylo ship The Kylo ship is I don't know. I love it. I thought I think the design's cool. I'm trying to Oh, I think it's cool too. Yeah. I I'm not knocking it, but it does I'm trying to find a good image of a yeah. Trade Federation. I'd have to see it side by side. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm, I never I'm working thought on about it. that. Yeah, if you can send that to me. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people, like that last ship, that was just like his, uh, that was just like Kylo Ren's command shuttle. And, like, this is his, like, personal, like, this is what he would go into battle with, you know. It looks so. like only one man fits in that thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Wikipedia says only one man fits in it. Okay. What the fuck is that What noise? is going on? Chewbacca giving you a blowjob over there, Frank? To- fucking dirt bike by my house oh i thought maybe you were fucking a port or something over there i didn't know what was going <laughs> God, on no. things got real crazy there did you guys want me to grill did you guys want me to read the dialogue from all from all the dialogue from all the characters from the toys that are coming out um we don't have to do that on, that on the podcast but i'd love you to send me that link either right. way i'm down i want to hear it uh let's see here ray let's okay. take a break you want to take a break I do. All right, let's take a break. back 
Yeah. So I'm not crazy with that ship, right? No, you're not. Not uh-uh. at all. Very similar, very similar. Zero imagination in that ship. No, I mean, I I don't know. It looks very similar. It's, it's The design is very similar. It's crazy. All right. You, you going to hook us up with them action figure quotes? No. Fuck. Oh. Look it up, right? Oh, I want to hear them. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll give you two for each, okay? All right. How many are there for each? All right, Ray, I got like six. I want to hear. I want to hear them all. Oh, okay. Here we go. All right. Ray is actually. Hold on. Some of hers feel very sexual. All right. Are you going to do them in Ray voice? No. (laughs) I don't know if you got your pants on over there or not. I'm not trying to turn. I'm not trying to turn turn you on. on I'll show you my hands. No. (laughs) I don't want to give you a porgasm over there. (laughs) Porgasm. Ray goes, Ray quote number one, I feel the force. Mm. All right. Number two. You'll have that. Number two sounds like it could be a, could be prostitution. You're going to pay for what you did. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, I'm not leaving without you. Mm. Who's that? It's got to be Luke. Number four says you will release me. I guess she she's wanting some release. Yeah. Uh, oh, number five, I'm not giving you anything. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, she she turns on a dime. Yeah, she does. Uh, I'm not leaving without you, and then it's like, I'm not giving you anything. Uh, let's see here. And then number six is get out of here or get out of there. So. Oh. All right. Yeah, that seems very un- that seems very uninteresting. Uh, Kylo Ren with Tyson. Yeah, th- these are kind of like generic, you know. Uh, Do you think she even really says all six of those things? I yeah. didn't. Force Awakens didn't they say a lot of that shit? Right? Yeah, <laughs> they didn't have as much though. Like you hit the button and it said like the same two lines. Yeah, like Captain Phasma didn't say much. Kylo Ren, but go wonder. Kylo Ren says, "Darkness, get my ship ready, follow my lead." <laughs> Uh, the, uh, he really says darkness. darkness. Yeah, he says darkness. Very. <laughs> I just keep thinking of Lego Batman. I just keep thinking of emo Kylo Ren. Parents dead. <laughs> Unmasked Kylo Ren says we're not done yet. Oh, I guess he's talking with Ray. <laughs> oh, here we, another one. I I feel the power of the Force. Um, ah. I know what you have to do, and you will bring Luke Skywalker to me. So that's menage a trois. Oh, that one seems legit. So Luke Skywalker says, trust your instincts. Leave this place. May the Force be with you. Uh, come, I'll show you the true meaning of the Force. That sounds rapey. <laughs> <laughs> and stay back. Finn says, hey. the name's Finn, and I'm in charge. Wow. That's good stuff. I pair that one with the Ray, right? I call that Finfy Shades of Gray. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. Finfy Shades of Gray Jedi. Oh, I think you got to turn the word gray into Ray. Oh, Finfy Shades of Ray. I like it. (laughs) I like it, Jake. Good job. Little Jake with the assist. Um, 
stay low. It confuses their tracking. I'm guessing that's when he's on one of those speeders on crate. Do you know what I'm <laughs> talking about? That's one of those classic lines right there. Mm-hmm. Just like a stay on target. Yeah. Well, we found <laughs> out that Finn is going to be on that battle of crate where they go up against the gorilla walkers and the AT STs and so yeah, Lego spoiled all that, right? Uh, he says, uh, do exactly as I say, and I can get you out of here. Poe Dameron says, you want to come out alive, come with me. It's a play on come with me if you want to live, if you ask me. Yes. Um, I'm going to get us in a position. I'm going to get us in position. <laughs> so he's talking to Ray. It's <laughs> uh, a pretty fucking sexy, too. Let's see here. Supreme of Leader. Of they are. Supreme Leader Snoke says, uh, I, have I don't ex- know who I am. <laughs> I am Ezra. Yeah, I was I was gonna get to one of those. Uh, <laughs> I, I I have been expecting you. There's been an awakening. The resistance will soon be in our grasp. For you, all is lost, and your emotions have made you weak. Is he talking to Is he talking to Kylo there? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I doubt he'll share dialogue with anyone besides Kylo. This movie, right? Kylo and Hux, maybe. Yeah. Okay. And we don't get we get less of him in this film. I'm hearing so. I forgot about I forgot all about Hux. I haven't seen much Hux hype for Episode Eight. Yeah, I know we know he's in it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think most of his like most of Snoke's stuff is going to be on that new mega destroyer. It's called the Supremacy, and it's like sixty kilometers long. <laughs> it's a horrible name. I know. The Supremacy. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> So no, I was trying to gla- 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 glaze over it, and Jake wanted. To- <laughs> oh, I was wiping my eye right to hit my mute button. <laughs> the new Star Wars novel, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, by Claudia Gray, hints that Admiral Ho- Admiral Holdo, who's uh, played by Laura Dern in Episode Nine, will be an LBGT character. Lines from the book are: "A pair of pretty dark eyes." Then. Amelin thought about that for a moment, or more than a pair, if you're into grands or aquilish or talls or even. And then another quote is, that's all right, Leia said through laughter. It's just humanoid males for me. Really? That feels so limiting. Thank goodness it's a big galaxy. So. I would think in the Star Wars universe, you would need a lot more letters in that acronym. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I, well, I, the book hints at it. I don't think they're going to do anything with it in the actual film. Mm, that would be a little disappointing. I think just like in Harry Potter, you know, with yeah, the original yeah. films, I think you know, like with Dumbledore, we find out, you know, post films that he's you know he's gay, and then like, I, I think in this, it's they're not going to oh, they're, yeah. they're not going to look at the ludicrous outrage that came from the beauty and the beast announcing that they were going to have a gay character and how minor that ended up being and how much like how much of the talk dominated around that subject didn't they get pulled from a theater in like alabama or some shit sorry if it's the wrong state but uh it did get pulled somewhere yeah Yeah, people were boycotting the the shit out of it you know Go uh, figure the character from the animated cartoon that has an entire show tune about how great Gaston is, is a homosexual. Are you, <laughs> you stereotyping there, Jake? <laughs> Big shock there. A little bit. No, I wasn't stereotyping. It's, he literally sings the song about he loves him. Oh, really? 
I see. I don't. <laughs> I, dude, you act like I sit around watching Beauty and the Beast. I saw that fucking no, thing. No, I, I was more. I wasn't more accusing you as yeah. defending myself. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It had candlesticks in it. And a lady likes a dog. It's cool, man. Whatever. That's what you're into. I know. I know. I know. They were completely fine with the bestiality. Yeah. <laughs> and the sodomy. Yeah, all that stuff was good to go, but <laughs> there was that, no... that guy thought they gave it. It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, pull, pull the show over. There was no sodomy in that movie. Um, <laughs> Paul... Maybe in the maybe in, in the original. Those those old fairy tales get pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, he did it doggy style. Um, <laughs> Fan fiction. <laughs> Paul Bettany. Hey, this episode sucks. Sounds um, good. Paul Bettany. Settle down. All right, I'll say, thanks, Jake. It's a good one. <laughs> no, no, I pre What's no. The fuck out? I was I was starting to get a little heated. Jake Jake interjected, said, "Settle down." It did the fucking trick. I'm all settled now. Thanks, Jake. What's, what's up with the vision? No, it's like you know how you got the horse whisper. You're like the Brian whisper. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's one that's gonna freak out a mailman's customer there (laughs) paul bettany who plays vision in the avengers is going to be in the han solo film uh at first people were speculating that he's going to be the guy taking the place of uh michael k williams role his character uh he left production because of uh not creative differences he left production (laughs) i know it's, it's a rarity he left production because of his schedule he was scheduled for other things And, of course, like with Ron Howard coming on, they've had to do reshoots and things like that. So he just couldn't make it back. So we don't know if that character is being cut out of the film altogether, if Michael K. Williams' character is being cut out of the film altogether, or if uh, it's being replaced. Um, Found out that it bet if if they are replacing him, uh, it's not by Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany is not taking over the role, according to Deadline, but playing a totally different human character in it. And I found out that Michael K. Williams' character has had a little bit of CGI. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, so Paul hmm. Bettany, he's going to be in the film. That's cool. I like Paul. Yeah, he's great. It'll be nice for him to get, you know, his face in a movie, it sounds like, since he's playing a human character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, uh, he was in Knight's Tale with uh, Heath Ledger. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I like I that, that movie. movie. It's fun, right? Yeah, it was a fun movie. Mm-hmm. All that it's good like Robert Queen Baratheon music. in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see here. Uh, you guys, ready for good pop, bad pop, or done with Star Wars? Yay! Oh, no more Star Wars. <laughs> that was a, that, that was a fun Star Wars segment. Settle down, Jake. Oh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for good. I have nothing to look forward to now. It's just DC news and then death. No, it's not. We got good. <laughs> we got good pop, bad pop. We've got it. We've got Marvel news. We got a lot of Thor Ragnarok set visit news and stuff like that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know. Listen to me over here. I know now you're now you're pumping me up. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I hate it when I do that shit. It's sickening. That sounded gross. Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Brian, this Ew. is going to be great. You, oh. you turned me around. <laughs> that felt dirty. That felt dirty saying that. Ew, gross. Turned me around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yay. Uh, let's see here. All right, time for good pop, bad pop. 
It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening to the podcast, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I, uh, I'm going to start us off with a show that I've been watching. It's five episodes in. Mr. Mercedes, have you been watching this, Jake? No, I did not get a chance to see it. All right, then let me let me stop right here and tell you, get your ass on this right fucking now, man. All right, cool, cool, cool. I mean, I know, um, I know the deal. I've actually read all three of the books involving this storyline. Well, see, yeah, see, I guess that's what I'm worried about. Since you've read the books, this might be a tough one for you to to enjoy. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Because uh, I'm excited to hear what you say about it and how 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 it goes down. Number one, it's a Tupperware. It's fantastic. Let me get into what it's about. Retired Detective Bill Hodges is still haunted by the unsolved case of Mr. Mercedes, who claimed 16 lives when he drove a stolen Mercedes through a line of job seekers at a local job fair. Meanwhile, brilliant young psychopath Brady Hartsfield, the real Mr. Mercedes, reemerges to focus his attention on Hodges. What begins as an online cat-and-mouse game between the two soon has deadly real-life consequences as an increasingly desperate Hartsfield becomes bent on leaving his mark on the world. Uh, this stars Brendan Gleeson as Detective Bill Hodges. This guy's been a character actor and a ton of stuff. Uh, Braveheart, Edge of Tomorrow, Gangs of New York. You'll know this guy's face when you see him. Um, uh, we've got Harry Treadaway as Brady Hartsfeld, uh, Hartsfield, excuse me, as um, he's like the villain, the Mr. Mercedes. And I found out that actor Anton Yelkin was actually set to star in this role as this character before he died in that uh, auto mm. accident. Oh, wow. I do, re- I do remember that being the case. Um, Kelly Lynch, she plays. Uh, Harry Treadaway's, uh, no, Br- uh, Brady Hartsfield's mother in this. She was the chick in, uh, Roadhouse that Patrick Swayze banged up against the wall. Oh, yeah, I remember her. Oh, of course you do, Frank. <laughs> That's all I needed to say. Like, I could have listed off 20 other films. You'd have been like, who? And then I, yeah, she's the chick that Patrick Swayze nailed up against the wall, and Frank's like, yeah, I know her. <laughs> I watched that right when I was going through puberty, dude. There's, there's, there's like at least 15 crusty socks on my floor to prove it. <laughs> Not now. That's back in the day. This also has Scott oh. Lawrence in it. Scott Lawrence, if you see him, you'll recognize him for a ton of shit, too. Um, I uh, This is a psychological thriller. This is absolutely fantastic. I don't want to get into it too much, Um I'm five episodes in, and I'm hooked. I'm blown away that this is on the Audience Network, which is the AT&T channel, like their dedicated channel. They've had some great – it was originally like the DirecTV channel. Um, they would play like Friday Night Lights on it, and they had that you know, DirecTV original, Billy and Billy, um, which I loved. I thought that was a great show, and it got canceled after one year. 
But um, now they're they're doing this program. I was really worried about this because it was on Audience Channel. Like they wouldn't give it the the attention that it deserves, or the budget that it deserves, and or or the casting that it deserves. Everyone that they've cast in this is just great. They play their roles great. It's well acted. It's well written. It's well filmed. Well filmed. It is fantastic, Jake. This is this is. I'm hooked. Like, if I would have known that this was as good as it was, I would have started a Mr. Mercedes Companion podcast. That's how damn good this is. It wow. is. It's, wow, wow, wow. Jake, it's, it's, it's fantastic. The fact all that. All right, all right. The, I, I'll get on this shit because I, lo- I, I love this book. The fact that the network, that this, the, the, the TV studio that they, that they hired Brendan Gleason to do this role, a guy who's pretty much a character actor, and they hired him as the lead, says a lot. It says a lot to me. And he's not like a traditionally attractive man, you know, when you look mm-hmm, at him. Mm-hmm. And they still got him in this role, and they still have him have him doing like romantic scenes with women. And I'm just like, I when it's happening, I'm like, it's weird, but I'm kind of applauding it. It's not like a okay, yeah, woo, go, yeah, they rip, you know, I can't wait to see this guy without his shirt on. Awesome. No, it's one of those things because you don't see that in Hollywood, Jake. You don't. Yeah, yeah. You don't, and yeah. they they do that. They make bold choices in this show, and it's it's dark, it's gritty, it, it's very psychological. Um, the character you you you. You hate this this villain, but you also see like the abuse that he's gone through. But you're, you, it's not like you're endeared to him. But it, it's cool, Jake, because you get to see him in his everyday life and how people treat him awfully, like they treat him horribly. And he also does bad things to bad people. So it's, but he also destroys other people's lives. So he's just he's just got a chip on his shoulder and hates the world. And and this this actor Harry Treadaway is fantastic. He is so so good. This is one of the best, um, probably like uh, sinister performances I've seen since like Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. This is really good, Jake. Yeah, yeah. It's a really interesting story from King too. It's not his kind of atypical thing. It's like really much like a protagonist versus antagonist story. Yeah, just one on one in the the psychological battle between the two of them and then what happens further on down the road is some pretty intense stuff. If you have a so. uh, direct TV, you can watch this on the audience channel and I'm sure you can, you can watch all five episodes that are out right now on demand. But, um, if you don't have it, there are other ways to watch it. I'm sure. But, uh, Mr. Mercedes is an absolute Tupperware, Jake, this I'm blown away. I'm, I'm just blown away by how, great this show is once one episode's done i want to watch another one and i care about the relationships that you know brendan uh gleason's character of bill hodges has in this like there's a woman who's kind of like infatuated with him named ida and like i i love that actress that plays her and you know it's you you see little things about that in his life and then but then on on the flip side he's got like this whole psychological like this case that he has not been able to crack and it it's driven him crazy like they they kicked him basically off the force as a detective because it it drove him over the edge and now he's become like this alcoholic and this 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 psychopath this Brady Hartsfield has been taunting him over the years and he's not any closer than he was to catching him 
and it's just it's so it's so fucking good. It reminds me of um um Elliot Ness. Like mm. uh, you know what I mean? Like who is he going after? He was going after the um he had, I mean, like, yeah, haven't seen that in forever. Well, untouchables. Not untouchables. This was this was after the untouchables. Like he Elliot Ness did such a great job cracking that case. But the next case that he went after because he was such a a, a prolific um you know detective, he was oh, going Oh, was after, it the Zodiac killer? Yeah, he was going after the serial killer. That serial yeah, killer. Yeah. And then so but he never was able to catch him. And it kind of like made him go crazy a little bit because he couldn't catch this guy because like before it was all about like gangsters and stuff like that. He was just kicking down doors. He didn't really have to like look for the clues. And so part of this makes me – it's kind of like that story here. But I'm hoping that we have a better outcome for our hero, you know, Bill Hodges in this story. And I Mm – I'm hooked, man. It is – it's it's psychological. It's great. It's very very well acted. <laughs> I I'm just blown away by like the decisions that the studio has made with casting here because you don't see this kind of casting in a show like this. They're going to try to get like a like a traditionally more attractive guy to play to play that to play this role. Um, They've got a wealth of material to work off of. I mean, he's written three complete novels in this universe. But I would say because of what happens in the third novel that he's not going to write anymore. Like that's it for the material. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, we have kind of like a definitive end. So I don't know how many seasons it's going to go. I think it's going to go eight to ten episodes this season. Um, okay. I was wondering about that. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm, I'm hooked. I can't, I can't wait. I don't want the season to end. I think it's fantastic. It's on the audience channel. If you have DirecTV, you can watch it now. Or if you have like that DirecTV streaming or whatever, you can watch it right now. But, uh, I give it a Tupperware. It's so, it's so, so good. Um, I'm going to let one of you guys go into your good pop, bad pop. Oh, I just really quickly wanted to say I took your advice, Brian, and watched that Colossal. Yeah. Yeah. On iTunes last week. Yeah. Uh, with Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis. And it's kind of the, it's kind of a, I don't know how even how to describe it. It's multi genre, basically. It's a, it's a, um, kaiju drama <laughs> yeah exactly and uh wow I, I really liked it a lot i think i'm gonna give it a high taste it um it was way darker than i expected it to get and i i kind of enjoyed that it went that direction it made it really unpredictable throughout the entire movie until maybe the very end was kind of kind of saw that coming but it was it was a fun movie to watch i, yeah. I really enjoyed it i thought both of them were great i thought sudeikis really had a lot in him that I didn't know. Yeah, I actually. As far as the acting chops, after this, uh, after this came out, I went back and listened to a Smodcast with Kevin Smith, where he interviewed the director about it, and like this director hadn't done a whole lot before, and like this is like his first big film, and like Anne Hathaway asked to read the script, and he was just flattered that she read the script, and he was just like stunned when she actually signed on for the film so and the director's name his first name's like nachos i can't i don't remember what his last name was but i know his first name was nachos and he's from spain and he's really really cool he's a really cool guy um so i yeah, yeah. so thanks for that recommendation yeah. it, was, it was really good yeah i gotta thank scott shooty for that because like i knew the movie i knew i'd heard about it but scott kept pushing it so but yeah fantastic movie frank what do you got yeah, I, I taste it 
I uh, I got a pair of things. The the first no, don't is... go into those. <laughs> <laughs> I, we all talk about that we've right probably heard about them before, Frank. <laughs> um, Destiny Two came out last Wednesday, and I've been playing the shit out of it. Um, it's a very strong that poor kid. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got replaced. Um, it's a strong improvement over the original one. Uh, feels a lot tighter, and a lot of that has to do with uh-huh, the, tighter, the huh? <laughs> That's how Frank likes them. He, he, you know, when you, yeah, when, you, when they're tied to the radiator for so long, you loosen them up, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you could tell that they didn't have to dig with uh, older consoles this time around. It really limited uh, the first Destiny because they had to be able to make it play on uh, PS3 and Xbox 360 as well. But um, they, they did a really good job on the story this time. Uh, it's actually in the game, and uh, that was a big complaint for a lot of people about the first one is that you get put into these situations, you really kind of can't figure out why, and there's stuff you can go look at on the computer to read about it, but nobody wanted to do that. And this... This really made it feel a lot more like the Halo series where you're an integral part of what's going on and people react to you in the world like you've done these things. Um, uh, it's, it's really good. Uh, pretty much anything you do in the game is rewarding, whereas what was clunky about the first one was that people couldn't figure out how to level up because there were specific things you had to do. And um, a lot of people are jumping on it. It's good to see some people coming back. Um absolutely Tupperware the game. Um, I don't know that it's going to... It might convert some people that didn't like Destiny 1 over to it if they gave it a chance, but if uh, you're not a first-person shooter person, uh, it's definitely not going to be for you. But uh, we got a we got a clan going and pretty much trying to just fill that up because there's rewards that you can get as a team for doing activities. Um, it's uh, the, the main bad guy in the game is Gaul. So our clan's name is Balls to the Gall, like we're teabagging him like instead of Balls to the Wall. Yeah, it's, uh, if you got to continue to explain it, it doesn't get funnier, Frank. Right, I get you. I don't see I much just... difference between this and Hearthstone talk. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but both of them bore Brian to tears. But, uh, I mean, it's probably not a surprise to anybody that I Tupperware this. But uh, the other thing that I did was I watched a... Uh, First three episodes of a sitcom on Netflix called Disjointed. Oh, I saw the first. Uh, I saw like t- ten minutes of the first episode. Yeah, uh, that's probably really all you need. Uh, it stars Kathy Bates. It's created by Chuck Loire, uh, same guy who did that. Uh, what was it? Two and a Half Men. Yeah, and you know it's got Big Bang Theory people there too. It's it's yeah. yeah it feels like a Netflix I, sitcom. Yeah, it does. I I absolutely hated this. Uh, it, it's a toss. It, I didn't laugh once, not at all, during the first three episodes. It's all jokes about pot and stuff because it's set in a dispensary, and Kathy Bates is a uh, – she's like a, a hippie who turned uh, dispensary owner, and her son's trying to actually treat it like a real business and stuff. And there, there's a lot – I mean, the, really, it's just full of fucking pot tropes. And I, I don't know if you have to be fucking high as hell to watch it and have it be funny, but I, I thought it was absolutely terrible. Thanks for that review, Frank. I was actually thinking about clicking on that because, I mean, uh, I like Kathy Bates and the subject seemed like it could be funny. 
It's they, they, terrible. It's, it's got the full-on fucking laugh track, and then they, like a regular sitcom, they put these fake fucking commercials in there, and some of them are legit. Like, I think it's the <laughs> second episode, you get a Lay's commercial where two guys are just blindly watching, like, the fucking Nature Channel high as fuck, sharing a fucking la- bag of Lay's. It it It's just stupid. It's probably one of the stupidest fucking shows I've ever seen. I hated it. It was awful. It's terrible. It's like, you know, I love The Ranch. I, I think that's a great show. So, I mean, if you were let down by this, because I, I think it is terrible, watch The Ranch. That's Sam Elliott, Nashton Kutcher, and Danny Masterson. It's it's really good. Deborah Winger, it's really good. Gotcha. I'll check that out. But, yeah, pass on this if you can. Yeah. I, I, may, I never, like, vote or uh, rate anything on Netflix at all. I made sure I gave this fucker a big thumbs down. Oh, it's yeah, it's it's absolutely terrible, man. I I got ten minutes in. I'm just like, uh, I'm gonna get back to watching some other shit on Netflix. Other yeah. than this, anything wow. else? Ten minutes. That's funny. Yeah, ten minutes, and I was out. I tapped out after ten minutes, man. All right, I will never see this. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. I got three things that I want to talk about before we jump into our it review, Jake. Um, Started BoJack Horseman season four on Netflix. I'm two episodes in. I'm just gonna, you know, knock out a couple episodes every day. Uh, two episodes in. I'm ab- no, uh, yeah, two episodes in. I, I'm absolutely loving it. I, it's, it's still fantastic. This show is great. Uh, first episode was, didn't feature BoJack Horseman at all. It was good, but the second episode was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I loved it. Mm. So good. Was it made better? Because it didn't have BoJack in the first one? Mm. Yeah, I think so. Because, like, that's been the whole thing. BoJack's been missing for a whole year. So it kind of gave us the feeling as an audience that he's gone, that he has been gone. So I I think it worked, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just, I guess, a little bit of the negative of it is you had to not have the whiz-bang first episode. Yeah. Yeah, it was still good, though. I mean, it got the... That's not this kind of show. This is not, like, Rick and Morty. This is kind of, like... It's funny, and you've got silly shit that happens, but it is a dark comedy. Um, there's very dark elements in this. You're dealing with a, co- uh, a character that has like addictions, you know, sex addictions. He goes around and he he makes other people's lives worse sometimes when he interacts with them, you know. And he can be very selfish at times. It's 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 a really really good show. So. I, I'm Tupperwareing the season just two episodes in so far. I'll, I'll let you know what I think when I finish it. Uh, I started a uh, a new. It's like a. I, I don't. I think it's new. I just saw it recently. It's called. It's a Netflix original called The Confession Tapes. It's a oh, not heard of that true crime documentary series. Investigate uh, investigates cases where people convicted of murder claim their confessions were coerced, involuntarily, or false. So, you know, with the success that Netflix kind of had a couple years ago with Making a Murder, I can see why they would want to have more programming like this. And it's the, each uh, – some, some of the episodes are two-parters, but other episodes are just like one story. Uh, I'm two episodes in, so I've only seen one part so far, but I'm giving this a Tupperware so far. It is fantastic. It's really good. Um, the first story was about this, uh, a triple murder. These two teenagers are basically, let's see here. 
this teenager, him and his buddy go out one night. His family is murdered, and the police try to target this teenage, their son and his friend for the murder. And um, it at the beginning, it, it, you kind of do think like maybe these boys did it, maybe because like the kid, you know, once he gets the insurance policy money, he does kind of go like on a spending spree and starts to take trips. And but I guess everybody grieves differently. If we're to believe that he did not do it, and the more that they unpack this case, you find out like the boys were being, you know, basically like harassed all the time by the media. They ended up moving to Canada, and when they're up in Canada, they the police up there use this controversial technique that's not legal here in the states. It's called Mister Big, where the undercover police act like they are like, you know, criminals, mobsters, and they act like they can help these guys out and give them jobs and befriend them. And because these guys aren't getting jobs because of like this whole thing in the media, like nobody's going to oh, hire sure. these guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. So oh, that's interesting. with this investigation, so basically they end up meeting like the big boss of this mafia group. And he's like, we have found out, like, they have DNA evidence against you in this murder. Tell us what really happened, and then we can help you. And so these kids end up confessing to it, and they're very flippant in how they do it. And the stories don't match up. Every time they tell the story, it's different. And it's crazy because the kids have a solid alibi where they were that night. People saw them. And there's also a connection to someone else who could have committed the murders, but the police were targeting these young men, never even looked at the other lead at all. And wow. you, you have to watch this because after watching this documentary, and you can come to your own conclusion, I think these boys are innocent. And they're they're spending three life terms for each of these murders, the the mother and the father and the girl. I, I think that these boys are in in and they're our age now, which is insane. Um oh, shit. And that's just the first two episodes is this story. And it's, it's riveting. It's, there's, uh, you see actual court footage of the young boy talking about his parents being taken from him. And I, I believe he means it when he's talking about how much he admires his dad and how much he loves him. And I'm tearing up. It's, 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 it's heart wrenching. So, uh, definitely check out, it's called the confession tapes on Netflix. And uh, I'm not sure. I'm not, I didn't even look how many episodes there were, but I'm going to watch every damn one of them. I can tell you that much. It's 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 <laughs> fascinating. Ooh, yeah. Wow. That kind of stuff gives me the heebie-jeebies sometimes. It's heavy. Um, Wind River. I went and saw Wind River in the theater. This is one that's uh, you know old man shooty. Was, oh yeah, I remember him pushing that on you. Yeah, he was telling me to go out and see this fucking thing. And I was going to have Shooty on the podcast tonight, and I, like, texted him, like, Tuesday. And I was like, hey, you want to get on and talk to us about Wind River? And he's like, didn't you know we're having a hurricane here, asshole? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I, I knew that, but I was just, like, I was just excited to talk to him about it on the show. I wanted to have him on, and then I, I felt like an idiot, you know? Yeah, he's so, got his own fucking Wind River like, to deal with. Yeah, he's got, definitely. You know, I, that's how I picture Scott dealing with it, though. You know, I felt like, you know, he said he, he drove up north near Tallahassee to get away from it and shit. And, uh, I guess everything <laughs> went around on him. Yeah. So like, 
I I honestly thought that he would be like out in his front yard, like get the fuck out of my yard, yelling at that yeah, damn exactly. hurricane. You know, he'd be one of those guys shooting guns into it. No, I, I thought he'd I thought he'd be like the first guy to ever put a cigar out on a on a hurricane. You know what I mean? Like put that it would out. Be amazing. Yeah. He'd be like, Listen here, motherfucker. I know. I I picture Scott like you know taking a boombox out in the front lawn and blasting scorpions. Here I am, rocky like a hurricane. You know what I mean? And just yeah. saying, get the fuck out of my yard to that hurricane. The just and, fucking dissipates yeah. right there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Wind River. Wind River. Uh, this is going to be non-spoilers. I did do a spoiler review on bite-sized leftovers on bumpers. You can also get it on iTunes. Uh, but uh, it's uh, Wind River. It's directed and written by Taylor Sheridan, from, the writer from Sicario and Hell or High Water. This is his second attempt at directing. It stars Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. So we've got Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch in this movie. Um, <laughs> it's about an FBI agent teams with a town's veteran game tracker to investigate a murder that occurred on a Native American reservation. It's inspired by a true story. I actually found out from Steve Miller, who I did the bumper with as well, uh, who does the Space Cowboy podcast, that it's actually inspired by multiple real stories. They kind of just combined them all. It's like a amalgamation, a mishmash. Um, so That's cool. Whatever it takes to make a good movie, you know? Exactly. Especially a movie with such cultural importance, I believe. And this is, without a doubt, one of the year's best films and most important films that have come out. And I'm putting it up there with, like, Baby Driver, Dunkirk, Detroit, Wonder Woman, as, like, one of my favorite movies of this year. Mm. Taylor Sheridan, we've seen him create tension in other films, like Sicario, you know? But here he is directing, and he does it masterfully here again. I mean, there is there's moments of tension in this film that are just just white knuckled. You're on the edge of your seat. There's a Mexican standoff that'll just like, oh my god! You're just like, oh my god! What the fuck is going to happen? It's it's so good. I don't I don't want to spoil anything about this. I'm just I want people to watch this movie. It is absolutely fantastic. Renner plays this hunter tracker guy he's a badass in this film elizabeth olsen is a and she's an fbi agent and she's great in her role really really good she sells it that she's like out of her element being there you know she's coming from vegas up into i think they filmed this like i think up in utah and you can really <laughs> tell like she's out of her element and, and and she just she really wants to help this family of this girl who got murdered and um she really wants to bring down the murderer. She she sells that passion in the film, and it's it is it's absolutely like riveting. This is a great Renner's movie. great too, huh? Renner, this is his best performance. In I'm going to put it right up there with Hurt Locker, where and he won he won an Oscar with it. I I, th I think he's great in this film. So nice, nice. My, I guess I need to see this. I guess, and uh, it's this movie. It's important for Native Americans too, in particular, like Native American women. It, it, it it'll that'll all make sense when you see this film. It it uh, Native Americans have gotten a raw deal by our government. I'm not going to get into it too much, but like a lot of a lot of these Native American reservations don't even have running water, and uh, it's it's sad. But um, during the course of the shoot, uh, writer director Taylor Sher Sheridan was visited on set by Shoshone tribal leaders. Who, who were who astonished him with the revelation that at that very time there were twelve unsolved 
murders of young women on a reservation of about 6,000 people. Due to a 1978 landmark government ruling, Oliphant versus Susquamish, the Supreme Court stripped tribes of the right to re- arrest and prosecute non-Indians who commit crimes on Indian land. If neither victim nor perpetrator are Indian, a county or state officer must make the arrest. If the perpetrator is non-Indian and the victim and uh, victim and enrolled member, only a federally certified agent has that right. If the opposite is true, a tribal officer can make the arrest, but the case must still go to federal court. I read that off of IMDb, and um, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Mm-hmm. How are you supposed? That gives that. How gives, can you do anything? Yes, you could have you could have the killer dead to rights, and you can't make the arrest, Jake. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So, I mean, obviously, you have to use your own means at that point. Unfortunately, well, I'm glad that Taylor Sheridan made this movie. Hopefully, it'll get some Oscar consideration. It'll be back in theaters, and hopefully, it'll open some people's eyes, and we can get some laws changed because this is fucking ridiculous. You know, like, yeah. go back. And, I don't know if you guys can find it, but uh, Morgan Spurlock had a show on FX where he would do the 30 days thing. And he spent 30 days on a on a uh, Native American reservation. And um, it opened my eyes as to what was going on there. It's they don't have running water. Um, they have they do have their own law. But, man, I I didn't even know how, how limited they were. And this is. This is this is a fantastic film. It's it's great. Um, everybody should see this in the theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, wow. It, it's powerful. It's very powerful, and um, it's got a it's got a cameo appearance by somebody in it, and he's fantastic. And um, there's 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 scenes that are very uncomfortable to watch. Um, and uh, the villain of the film is. Plays a very very good villain. So, yeah, just watch Wind River. If you if you can't catch it in the theater, if it's out of the theater, make sure to get this one on. Uh, just rent it, uh, red box it, or you know, video on demand, whatever the fuck. But uh, Tupperware the fuck out of Wind River. So good. Wow, not a long movie too. By this, you know, t- I would have thought it would have been a two hour plus movie, but it's only an hour and forty seven minutes. Yeah. Oh it, wow. Yeah, it's it's paced well. Like, you know, it, it did slow down a little bit. There's, you know, scenes between Renner and, uh, Scarlet, not Scarlet Witch, uh, <laughs> there's, there's <laughs> scenes between Renner and Elizabeth Olsen where it kind of slows down a little bit, but it's, it's, it's good character development. It's, it's, and, and I was, I never felt like I was bored with this movie. I never, I never had to look at my, uh, phone to see what time it was or to, you know, see if I got a text message or something like that. I, I, I was, I was just riveted. I was the youngest person in the theater. I think like everybody there was like over fifty. So, <laughs> but it's it's one of those movies where you know if if you've you know you've gone to the theater, you've seen your Spider Man Homecoming, you've seen your Wonder Woman, and if you want if you want a movie to make you feel something, that's what, I, I love movies like that, Jake. Man, I, I dude Frank, I love <clears throat> movies that when you go to the theater, you feel something like it, oh, yeah. it, it makes you feel something like you. You can't get up from your seat once it's over, and you sit there and you think about it, and then, and then you come back and you sit in your car and you think about it, and then and then you can't stop thinking about it so fucking much that you got to do a bumper with Steve Miller and Scott Shooty to get out <laughs> to get it out to talk about it, and that's this kind of movie, man. Taylor Sheridan, 
this guy is he's climbing up the ranks as one of the best writer directors out there. It's like you know I, I I've I've fallen in love with like Noah Hawley has done for TV, and I'm falling in love with what Taylor Sheridan is doing for films. Guys, this guy has he's got so much promise. I never want this guy to lose his passion because like Sicario, so good. Hell or High Water, so good. And this this Wind River is fantastic. This is he is he a young guy? Uh, maybe forties. I'd have to look it up. I, he looks young, and he's an maybe forties. He's a good-looking guy. He's an actor himself. He stars in a lot of his own stuff. Um, you know, small okay, he roles. He looks like a very young guy. Yeah, I don't know. I, did you look him up on IMDb? Yeah, I'm looking him up now. Yeah, how old is he? Oh, this can't. This can't be the right guy. Is he? Yeah, oh, this guy. It's just. Ty Sheridan, actor, producer, writer? No, that's not him. No, that's, the, that's Cyclops. Oh, Taylor I Sheridan. The wrong thing. Taylor Sheridan. Oh, they don't have his age in here. I'm guessing he's like in his forties. I mean, he looks like a. He looks. This guy's got it all. He looks like a fucking Calvin Klein model, and then he's so talented at writing and directing. I fucking hate him now. Oh, he does look like a Calvin Klein model. Right, yeah. I mean, Dear he, Lord, he's 47. 47, yeah. So, he's, I mean, he's, he's got the trifecta of talents. I'm surprised he's not in a he fucking on, rock uh, band. He was on Sons too. of Anarchy, apparently. Yeah. I'm surprised he's not like in a rock band pulling in a ton of pussy, too. It's just, you know. That's what I hate about Jared <laughs> Leto. It's like he's, a, he's in a rock band. He's also an actor, <laughs> won an Oscar, and. That's all, that's all you hate about Jared Leto? And his Joker, so. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's all I got for Good Pop, Bad Pop this week. Uh, we're going to move into our It review. Are we going? Uh, let's go non-spoiler, right, Jake? Yeah, yeah, let's do non-spoiler. Can you give me uh, 30 seconds real quick? Hey, tell you what, let's take a break. We'll come back to It. Awesome. We are back, and it is time for uh, our uh, it review. Jake, we going non spoiler on this? Yeah, I think that's prob- probably best. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I guess that's what we decided, but it, it's whatever. Honestly, I mean, I think most people are familiar with the deal, right? Well, sure. Yeah, I, I, I most. Yeah, I, I would hope if you're listening to this. You, but um, Jake, go ahead and take it away. Um, yeah, this is it. It's um, not so much a remake, but, you know, I guess a, a reimagining. I mean, that, that's been up to debate, you know. But let's not get into that minutiae. Um, the plot is a group of bullied kids band together when a monster taking the appearance of a clown begins hunting children. Um, it's directed by Andy Muschietti. It's written by Chase Palmer Kerry Fuganaga and Gary Doberman. Uh, Kerry Fuganaga was the original. I'm probably butchering his name, 
but he's the guy that was set. Well, he should have Hey, in his email, he should have given it to us fanatically, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Exactly. Um, he was the guy originally set to direct and write this movie. Uh, he's the mastermind behind True Detective. Um, this has been in development for quite a long time. I believe seven or eight years until this is finally hitting the screen. Um, a crazy interesting fact about this is the story goes that Pennywise comes every 27 years to do his thing. And this movie actually comes out 27 years after the Tim Curry television version, just by happenstance. So I thought that was a little nifty little it factoid. Uh, this movie stars Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, uh, Jaden Lieberer as Bill Denbro. Uh, he's the kid from Midnight Express, I believe. Uh, Finn Woodhard as Richie Tozier um, from Stranger Things. Sophia Lillis as Beverly Marsh. Jeremy Ray Taylor as Ben Hanscom. Chosen Jacobs as Mike Hanlon. Jack Dylan Grazier as Eddie Kasprak. And Wyatt Olaf as Stanley Uris. Uh, there's a bunch of other people too, but I wanted to those point are your... out real, Go ahead. real quick. You know, you're talking about Kerry uh, Fukunaga and uh, how he was uh, the original director for this. The original Pennywise was Will Poulter from Maze Runner in yeah. Detroit, and yes. he left over. Kerry uh, I, 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 Fukunaga, he he basically he came out and said that you know Will Poulter kind of like lost his enthusiasm for the part after Kerry left the film. So um, I could yeah. I, I could see Will in this role. I think Will would have knocked it out of the park. To be quite honest with you, I think he's fantastic. Yeah, that would have been really interesting to see. Um, officially, they said scheduling conflicts, but no, that's yeah. coming. Hold on, that that uh, in it, it, that's what they originally said. But uh, recently, like within the past week, Kerry Fukunaga has come out and admitted in an interview that Will lost enthusiasm for the part because he left the film. Oh, that's this, crazy. Yeah, that's this crazy. is like, exactly because hmm. it was it, it totally was it was a, that he had originally left over scheduling conflicts or you know whatever. So, but it the real story. Fukunaga's uh, screenplay is is not with a little googling. It's not too hard to find. Really? Huh. Yeah, and it's it's quite interesting. Like if you're a fan of this movie and the source material and the book, you'd kind of do yourself a service by trying to find that original screenplay. It's it's pretty interesting what kind of stuff he included that's cool hmm. so, so it, um and i i guess that's it for the uh all the facts and the bullet points so right into the rating right yeah what'd you think oh man I, i'm gonna tupperware this I, I really liked it a lot it's definitely not perfect and i do have complaints about it but like the stuff they nailed it they nailed it so good that it, it made me forgive some of the shortcomings i had with it um and the big thing they nailed was just the child actors and the chemistry between them and just the realness and the rawness of those characters and their friendship and all the stuff going on with them. Um, oh man, I, di I didn't expect this movie to have as much heart and comedy and funny stuff going on in it, on in it when like the whole thing was sold on it being like, no matter how, you know, scared you think you're going to be, you can't prepare yourself. So yeah. it was kind of out of left field to get all this stuff come at me. Um, it felt very much like a stand by me 
with the horror element thrown in there too. And I was pretty blown away by it. I, I'm, I was so blown away by it that I have to imagine the sequel is going to suck unless the rumors are true that they are still going to do a lot of flashback scenes with the kids. Cause I don't know how seven adult actors are going to be able to carry this as well as these kids did in this movie. So, and, and I'm sure we'll get into all the Pennywise stuff when we start talking about the movie, but to me, it wasn't perfect to me. It was, it was serviceable. I thought the very first scene with him was by far the best. And then after that, a little bit too much CGI reliant stuff going on. But I mean, it was, it was fine by me. It was never distracting, but it definitely wasn't the Pennywise stuff. Wasn't amazing to me or the reason that I Tupperware this movie. So I'll let you go into it, Brian. I, uh, I'm going to echo what you said as far as like the kid actors were just great. They were engaging. Um, the kid actors were fun. They made this movie. I loved, uh, the comedy was, was good. Um, I just thought all around the kid actors just did a great job. I, I really cared about these characters by the end of the film. I really felt like I got to know each and every one of them. I think everybody had their own story. I loved the the chubby kid was just great. I loved him. I loved that scene with him and the girl where they Jump first in and Bev, yeah, yeah, when they first met, you know, when they were talking and that scene. I, I that's one of the best acted scenes I've seen in a movie all year. It was so good. I, I loved the way she, she made that kid feel like he, that kid has just had a rough time and oh my god and. We saw bullies in this movie. Like you said, Stand By Me, like, they reminded me of Kiefer Sutherland's performance in Stand By Me as, like, the, the murderous bully kid, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's, that's a character that King has used in quite a few different stories. Yeah. So, I, um, this is gonna get a high taste. It, it almost, I, it's, I hate it. I hate it when people do this. I, no, I'm gonna stick with high taste it. Because I, I I think the kids the kid actors put it over the edge. I almost want to give it a taste it because I wasn't scared and this is a horror movie and I think that's where it failed because I was not- I was I was never truth be told I was never scared either yeah um but man I tell you I saw it opening night with the pack crowd and it seemed like everyone else was scared so I don't know if I'm just desensitized to it or what um. I went with Michelle, and she was terrified. At one point, she yelled at me like, "What the fuck, Jake!" Like right in the middle of the movie theater. Yeah, I just. So, Why did you take me to this? Yeah. Holy shit! It was it, like you said with the with the CGI. It just CGI doesn't typically scare me, and like that didn't work. You know, like we got the yeah. scene where Pennywise was a little bit larger than normal and that that looked glaringly bad to me it you know yeah yeah the see it, it was like ooh cgi crazy frame rate rushing at the camera kind of tropey stuff yeah and that was a little bit unfortunate it's too bad they didn't get a little bit more creative with that this but, felt like the i don't know how to say this it felt like the marvel movie the marvel movies version of a horror film or something i i don't know how to say that jake it's it felt like yeah the, I, I i hear you say it was just so freaking fun like yeah oh my gosh and I that's where I expect that from it that's the only way it failed for me because like i wasn't scared i was i was just <laughs> watching a fun movie and like 
I wanted to be scared. So that was a little bit of a letdown, but I can't, I can't say that I hated this film because I really enjoyed it. I, I really did. I thought the characters, the kids were great. I laughed. The gazebo joke just brought down the house and there, it was really, it was really good. I, I really enjoyed it, except that when I go to a horror film, I do want to be scared. And I think that's where it kind of failed for me. Was, yeah. I thought the most terrifying moment of the movie was when Pennywise took off Georgie's arm and George was yeah. like crawling away from the sewer. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm yeah. spoiling, but yeah, I think George no, okay. is the most famous thing in the whole, in the whole freaking thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just, I've, it's been like 10 years since I read the book. So there's a lot of it that I've forgotten. Yeah. That was a scary moment. I, I thought that's as close as it came to actually like pure horror. Yeah. For me at least. But I don't know. It, I really liked it. I, I thought I liked the way it portrayed dairy a lot. I, I like I've seen a lot of people complain that there's no adults, but I, I think that was kind of a thematic choice. And I kind of enjoy that, too. Yeah, because you know, the adults get... had no control whatsoever here. And the yeah. few adults that you saw were all completely twisted. And we're going to get plenty of adults in the next film. So, you know, yeah, the kids all exactly. grow up. So I, I do think that they can do this next movie well if they if they cast accordingly, if they can cast people and, and you still can get a lot of the performance out of the adult actors, I know they're going to grow up and change and they're going to be adults, but I still want them to feel like the characters from the show. Like when they get together, I want it to feel that way. You yeah. Know. That's interesting. I have here pulled in an interview, what who each of the cast members said they wanted to play their older selves. Oh yeah. Go for it. Oh wow. Would you like to hear that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Finn, Finn Wolfhard, who plays Richie wants Bill Hader to play his older self. I hate that. <laughs> Sophia Lillis, uh, who plays Bev, wants Jess- Jessica Chastain. And this is, of all of these, this one is actually in talks. Like, she is actually in talks to play older Bev. I, lo- I love Bill Hader going back to that one, but I just don't want to see him in this role. Yeah, yeah. I, we've seen him take serious turns before, and it's been nothing remarkable. So, um, and that wouldn't be a very serious role. you got to imagine he'd still be trying to be the comedy Mm-hmm. Guy, especially just, being the older Richie. Give it to Corey Feldman. He was basically that character from Stand by Me. So, <laughs> um, ch- chosen Jacobs, who plays Mike Hanlon, uh, he wants Chadwick Boseman to play him. I mean, of course he does. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's eleven, and Black Panther's getting ready to come out. Right, right. Uh, Jack Dylan Grazier, who plays Eddie, wants Jake Gyllenhaal. So I think that's pretty funny. As the you know he's the neurotic kid who was one of the more hilarious kids to me that's good casting i don't know if they could get jake gyllenhaal to do the film though yeah he's probably too big for it but that that's pretty funny uh wyatt olaf who plays stanley uh he's the young jewish boy he wants joseph gordon levitt so Uh and then jeremy ray taylor who played ben wants chris pratt (laughs) so oh and one more Jaden, who plays bill wants christian bale as himself I'm just oh, yeah, picturing all these people and the. It, I mean, not that any of them would ever really happen, but this sounds like they would have the worst chemistry ever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's all pipe dream. I mean, this all is right. right from the kids' mouths. So, yeah, but I thought it was some interesting stuff. I like yeah, the Chris. I, I, really I, I like the Chris the, Pratt casting. I like that a lot. As Ben. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that is pretty fun. 
Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, the kids were just so great in this movie. And I, I've never – some of the stuff just – it just felt so real. Like I, I commented to Michelle, one of my favorite just small little moments was it was the last day of school. And the kids are like dumping all the stuff in their backpacks into the garbage can. Yeah. It's the last day of schools. And I've, that's something I remember doing every year. It brought back so much nostalgia for me. And I've never like seen that moment in a movie. I thought like, the same just, thing. I, I didn't, I, I'm sorry. I littered. I would actually, there's like, <laughs> yeah. we, I had my backpack and I'd like fling all my stuff into like this ditch in the woods and stuff. And that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, that exactly like papers just build up in that yes. backpack like the whole freaking year, and yes. I remembered that exact ritual, and I was I, like, how how is this the first time I've ever seen this ritual yes. on, a, on a movie? I agree, and uh, it made me think of those moments when I did that, which was really cool. Yeah, so yeah, so I think I think your rating is probably more. I think I'm being a little forgiving for this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I recognize that in myself, but man, I think between how much Dark Tower kick me in the nuts and like what this got right it yeah. was just really hard for me I'm to not faulting just not be blown you. away i'm not faulting yeah. you my, my problem with it is that it's a horror film and i wasn't scared you know yeah um i liked it a ton i honestly i think i liked this more than stranger things oh no 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 absolutely not 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 on my end I liked it in a lot of ways more than stranger things no i i would i i uh this is uh Really, this is a great, this is great, but man, Stranger Things for me was so much better. So much better. I think you need to rewatch Stranger Things. Yeah, maybe I do. It's just hard. They, they both go very much hand in hand. You know, Stranger Things definitely owes a lot of what it did to the original book. Well, and the tone of and, this movie owes a yes. lot to Stranger Things. Yes, I agree. But I felt this like nailed it more. Like this felt, as far as, the kids feeling more real and their friendship feeling more real. And just, I felt like I learned more about these kids as far as like, you know, what stirs beneath them in just the two hours than you really ever do. And like the eight hours of stranger things. Oh, you need to go back and watch stranger things, man. You need to go back and watch that. I, I love the, the relationships between the characters. I love some of the twists that happen in stranger things. I loved like, you know, like the girl dating Steve and like by the end of it, you think that she's going to be with the, uh, with the guy that went on that journey with her. No, she's still with asshole Steve. I mean, that's, I, I don't know. I, I, I love it. Cool life, right there. <laughs> I, I thought there, there was definitely more mystery with Stranger Things since it was like a new IP, and like we kind of know what happens in the story of it, so like it doesn't leave like a lot to the imagination. Really, it's just a reimagining. Yeah, I like you I said, Tupperware both things. I I get it, but but you did say that you put this over Stranger Things, and I just. I'm, I'm, right I'm, now I do. It's I, probably yeah. fresh new toy disease, but yeah. right now I do. You got shiny new toy syndrome. You need to go back and watch Stranger Things again. And then like Stranger Things season two when that hits, man, I'm hoping that it lives up to, to the you know, the hype. But uh man the I, Uber mega hype. Yeah, dude. I, I I enjoyed it. It's just that it it really did not Man, I, when I go to a horror film, if they're gonna if they're gonna if they're gonna tout this as a horror film, I want I want that fucking clown to make me piss my pants in the theater. And I did I'm going to blame my theater a little bit too. I'm going to stop going to this theater for certain things cuz I went there opening night. I'm going to go to I'm going to drive 45 minutes away to another theater that has larger screens and they crank the sound up a lot more and usually the yeah. audience is better. Like I had people yakking behind me the entire fucking movie. 
And oh uh, god, I hate that. The I had girls behind me on one end on my left hand side talking the entire fucking time. I had a uh, uh, fucking a couple of jack wagons to the right of me behind me talking the entire time. And like one, at one point they go, uh, "How did?" Uh, how did that kid get off by himself? And I wanted to turn around and said, maybe if you'd shut the fuck up and pay attention, you'd fucking know why, asshole. It was pissing me off. So that kind of like it, – it, it didn't affect like my uh, – it doesn't affect my rating. But I, I, I do wish I would have seen it. Maybe I would have been a little bit more scared had like the, the volume been cranked up and I wouldn't have had fucking a bunch of asshats talking behind me. But yeah, me and Michelle saw it in IMAX. Yeah, and they had it cranked. Yeah, oh yeah. Usually, definitely for like the first premiere night too in an IMAX, they crank it up extra loud for you. I feel. So. Yeah, they were like, "Get the fuck out of here, Inhumans! It's time to crank it." Yeah, <laughs> oh, fucking Inhumans. So, yeah, I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it a high taste. It man, I was thinking about even giving it a taste. It. I hate saying that. It's like pick a fucking rating, you know. And, uh, yeah, yeah, but it is a high, I taste it. I'm giving it a high, it is a high taste it because of the child actors. They are phenomenal in this film. If they would have not lived up to it, it, it could have been a fucking toss it for me, but they were, they were just great. Uh, it did feel just a little bit too, like they, like they chose to go that Marvel fun route, then actually go with like the horror element. In this, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some non-Marvel fun stuff going on here. Oh, I know, like, I, I totally it was agree. Like Bev and her father. I mean, I'd rather have, this, yeah. yeah, I'd rather have fun shit happen than, uh, you know, uh, fucking just gritty, boring child actors the entire time. But yeah, there was some dark elements, some sinister things going on in this. It's just. I was just hoping that Pennywise would scare me a lot more than he did. And I, I don't know if you got Will Poulter in there, if he would have been able to do it better. I, I don't know. But Bill Skarsgård was – he was good. But yeah, um, I thought he was fantastic in the first scene. Yeah. And then after that, I never really saw a performance. Ex- yeah, I agree. I agree. But so, he was great. Like that first yeah. scene, I remember after seeing it, I'm like, this guy's great. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay, there's no more Pennywise performance really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like but it. I it's nothing that I feel like I would uh, rush to go out and see again. Um, I if it uh, if it pops up on stars or you know something like that, I might I might try it out again because I really like the kid actors. But it's um, it's 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 not up there as one of the best movies that I've seen all year. It's 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 a high tasted. It's respectable, and I enjoyed it and. Uh, I just I, I want to be scared, Jake. I really I love horror movies, and I'm not talking about fucking bullshit jump scares. I, I want that fucking I want I want to get so fucking scared that when I get home, I got to keep a nightlight on. That's how fucking scared I want to be. Yeah, I think you're going to get that real soon with that new uh, Ardenowski movie. From what I've been hearing, that oh mother. really? Yeah, yeah. I've been the word on the street on that is it's might be a cult classic without how, how terrifying it is you know you know what uh i was you know i i was like you know i was like man i'm i'm like uh, i was thinking to myself like man i i consider myself kind of like a somewhat of a fan of aronofsky and then i went through his library of movies and i looked at him and i was like you know what the only one that i like out of these is the wrestler yeah i don't like him i actually find most of his stuff to be very disturbing and sometimes like borderline pretentious See, that's what I, I was surprised i was like man because I, I was like you know oh yeah i think uh 
yeah, I like Darren Aronofsky. And then I, I went through his library of films, his filmography, and I was like, you know what? The only movie I like here is The Wrestler. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of terrified. I, I don't even know. I, I may skip it. Oh, I got to see it now. I'm kind of scared of the unknown a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it's just too much. Like, all the, from what I hear from the reviews, it's like, I don't know. I'm going to let you see it first. I got a uh, I got a uh, it review by Paul Hart here that I'm going to read. It is long, uh, but I'm going to read it because Paul's a he's an awesome listener. Uh, he was recently yeah. on Startcast, and I I recommend everybody listen to the uh, Startcast episode with Paul Hart. He's a teacher. I recommend that even if you're not a teacher, that you listen to this. And I mean, you'll be happy to know if you have children that there are teachers out there like Paul Hart. This guy is inspiring. Um, just his passion is amazing and like it's funny because like he 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 um he tells me like you know in messages like you know like brian you inspire me as a podcaster and paul i'm you inspire me as a person dude so um yeah paul's great now that now that frank's gone from social media paul is quickly rising the ranks as my my favorite person on social media (laughs) (laughs) I won't get into that, but <laughs> but uh, Paul sends us uh, an it movie review. Uh, he goes on to say, "Hey, leftovers and army members, my second email. Hey, howdy, fuck. First of all, congratulations on episode two hundred. It was awesome, and the new wave of members to the leftover army page is fantastic. So, as you are all aware, I have been extremely pumped for the movie It." As I have apologetically posted about this movie for months on the page, so I'm sure many are excited that the movie is here so they don't have to see my ginger ass always popping up about Pennywise and Dancing Clowns. So first things first, we went out all, we went, we went all out last night. We had, uh, Pennywise shirts on, clown bow ties, clown gloves, clown noses, and 99 blood balloons. Just kidding. We had four. Uh, <laughs> everyone outside and inside the theater were getting pics with us, Snapchatting us. It was great. Then we went to go inside the theater and we were immediately met by management and their eight foot bodyguard who was wearing a bulletproof vest. And had tiger eye contacts in. I was terrified. Uh, we quickly said we wanted to give the balloons to them to hang. And we're going to take off the clown gear. They were the nicest people. They put the balloons outside, tied up to the poster. I have to say that the movie itself is a total Tupperware. My wife and I were hooked from the onset. Uh, the opening scene laid the groundwork for the entire movie. It contained humor, horror, sheer brutality, but the main emotion felt was heart. Of course, the paper boat scene was so brutal and graphic. Uh, I, as an audience member, knew that we were in for an eerie, scary movie. The score to the movie itself was a character that had a bipolar personality. One minute, we were listening to upbeat, cheery, romantic instrumentals, and then it pulls a 180 and gets the hair standing up on your arms and everywhere else. I have to say, do you think he's talking about his pubic region? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) He's right, though. I definitely failed to mention the score was really good. Wouldn't that be fucked up, though, if you got so scared? You know, like the hair stands straight up on your arms. Wouldn't that be crazy if the fucking your pubic hair is just straightened out? Uh, Be kind of weird. I don't know. Maybe I do need to see Mother. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. Get so scared that you're... Your ball sack is uh, just got this. Okay, moving on. I'm done. I'll make sure I snap that if it happens. No, I'm just saying, like one minute, you know, you look like a fucking. It looks like lamb's wool, and the next minute, it looks like sheep dogs. 
You know? <laughs> Weird. Anyway. Um where was I? Yeah, uh, I have to say Tim Curry's portrayal of Pennywise was absolutely terrifying, and Bill Skarsgård truly made it his own. Uh, he gave Pennywise a playful, childlike feel, and then would just go batshit crazy and scare the shit right out of you. He was fantastic at keeping you off guard, and that's where the brilliance of this movie shines. Andy Muschietti was more of a puppet master than a director, and he knew exactly what strings to pull. However, the one thing that really makes it some, uh, that makes it something more than just a scare fest is the Losers Club. And we had an amazing cast that was up to the challenge. I think everyone will fall in love with each character and maybe have their own favorite. And, of course, I'm sure many will say Finn Wolfhard as Richie Tozier was their favorite. And that would be a great choice because he, for sure, was the comedic relief of the movie. But he was also so much more than that. He kept his tough side, smart-ass side, perverted side, and funny side in check. But at the end of the day, he was just as vulnerable and flawed as any character. And I truly enjoyed him uh, and his arc in the movie. I would have to say, for me, uh, my favorite would be Eddie. That dude had me cracking up and really had me rooting for him. Um, these are gazebos. Uh, the magic happened. Um, I love that line. That was great. Uh, the magic yeah, happened. Eddie was, Eddie was my favorite too. The magic happened when we got to know each member of the Losers Club, and we as an audience were able to experience their deepest and horrific fears together with them. I was talking to my friend who saw it with us last night, and he said it didn't seem as scary as the miniseries, which I do agree to a point. But as I said to him, I saw that miniseries when I was six and was terrified. So as an adult, knowing what I know now, I wasn't terrified by the movie as when I was six. However, the lingering fear was there. And anytime Pennywise played his games, I was still on the edge of my seat, scared as hell. I don't want to drag on, but being set in the 80s was a great change up from the novel. I was able to connect more with the kids because of the pop culture references. I thought the acting was on point. Pennywise and his childlike voice personified the fears inside me. I found no boring parts and was engaged until the final scene, which boldly labeled this as chapter one. Oh, and please give me Jason Bateman as Bill. If you like the group dynamic and Stranger Things, then you will love this. Awesome movie, highest of Tupperwares. I could go on longer, but I will get into what uh, I will get into that with my wife on our debut episode of Boring married couple talks about movies. So that's just, <laughs> it's a great the plug. Says it all. Yeah, it is a great title. Uh, thank you, thank you all. Keep up the awesome, or as Brian would say, terrible work. I uh, yeah. So thank you, Paul. Awesome review. Damn, he loved it. Yeah, he loved it. Yeah. yeah what do you think of the ending? I. Yeah, it was a little bit. Uh, it was a little bit too happy. Yeah. It dra- With the sequel coming up. They yeah. maybe. What did your audience, how did they react? My audience At was the like, end? Yeah, my audience was like dumb. Like, they saw chapter one and they're like, oh, oh, oh. Like, they'd never seen it or knew that there would be a chapter two. It was just weird. Mm, I feel like we had the smart crowd in the uh, 7 p.m. for showing IMAX. Yeah. Because we, we all applauded. Yeah, people paying the IMAX upcharge, they know what they're getting into. I was sitting with a bunch of fucking morons. Bunch of fucking <laughs> idiots. Seriously. Ser- I feel you, dude. That can sometimes really, like, screw with your time. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Yeah, it did. It really did. You know, I, I, got, I got what I needed to out of the movie. I got my correct rating and everything. 
but it's just it, it did kind of suck having to listen to fucking you know Tweedledee and Tweedledum and then fucking the Kardashians to my left. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. So, all right, what are you fucking doing news. All right, let's move in. <laughs> let's move in news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a lift of a news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right, hey Frank, welcome back. Yeah. And Thank I, you. I feel bad. You didn't get a chance to see the movie. I didn't even tell anybody that you didn't see the movie. They probably thinking like, <laughs> "What the fuck does Frank think about the movie?" They're not. They're not. They're not. <laughs> Brian's mean. He's not letting Frank talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get to go see it. I uh, still had some issues with my back. Yeah. After those shots last week, so. All right. Let's see here. What do we got? What do we got? Uh, quick news: Sony will now distribute Crow Reborn, according to the tracking board. Direct- yes. Feeling <laughs> <laughs> that enthusiasm. More like Crow Reborn, am I right? <laughs> oh man! Ah, uh, director Corin Hardy and Jason Momoa are still attached, as far as we know. <laughs> Uh, I, I told you guys, I have warned everybody that this thing is going to come out and I still think it's going to come out. And now with Sony distribu- distributing it, this thing's coming out. They've, they've put way too much money into this thing just to abandon it now. And I mean, it's gone through like, I don't know how many actors, like they, Mark Wahlberg was once rumored. Bradley Cooper was once rumored. Luke Evans was once rumored. Now we got Jason Momoa. I'm sure there's other actors that were rumored for this role. Uh, we, it's gone through, I don't know, three, four directors. I, I, it, it, this, this, this thing is fucking getting made. It's getting made. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's like a fucking bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. Oh, man. Uh, David Kep, the writer for Indiana Jones 5, confirms that Shia LaBeouf will not return as Mutt in the latest installment of the no, franchise. Thank God. Nice, nice. I like David Kep. I think he's done a lot of good movies. And uh, they said uh, the script is almost done, and they are mostly happy with it. (laughs) So I take it there's not going to be a let's swing through the fucking jungle sequence. No, that's the one thing they said that we are going to bring back to the franchise. Ah, okay. CGI Shia LaBeouf then. (laughs) No, no, no. They're Uh, just going to – it's just – he's not going to be in the film – but those monkeys are. Oh, I'll take I, it. I, I don't want this. I don't want Indiana Jones five. What do you Go think? Away. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, what do you think the MacGuffin's going to be? Where they? What are they doing? Uh, Atlantis. That's always. They've always rumored that a hundred million. Okay, times. We got Aquaman coming out. Fuck this Atlantis shit. And then we're gonna we're going <laughs> underwater for Pandora uh, with the Avatar yeah. shit. Fuck that. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I'm saying Indiana Jones. I'm saying. Uh, Harrison Ford is like 70-something years old now. I'm saying oh, fountain, the Fountain of Youth is where they're going. Oh, that's interesting. And then a recast. <laughs> and then we just never do it again. <laughs> it's it's fine. You can do movies in the style of Indiana Jones without doing Indiana Jones. Yeah, well, that, they are with that. Uh, they're doing Tomb Raider and what's the other one? The, the, video game, the other video game one. Oh, uh, Uncharted. Uncharted with Tom Holland. Yeah, there you go. That's fine. We don't need Indiana Jones anymore. Oh my god. I would I'd sign on if they could get Sean Connery to come out of retirement. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd sign on for that. Yeah, I would love that, that if he'd come back. 
that would cheer me up. Because, you know, like they said in Indiana Jones, yeah, everybody's, Indiana Jones, why? He, he said he died. <laughs> well, you know what? It wouldn't be, you know, like, uh, it'd be kind of cool if we find out, like, you know, he was off doing this thing and, you know, he was presumed dead and he's actually been alive this whole time and he's got, like, he knows more. He knows about the Fountain of Youth. Like after after they uh, after the Last Crusade, and you know they found the what was it, the chalice or whatever the fuck the what was that thing called the Cup of Christ, the, the Holy Grail, the Holy. Gra- <laughs> <laughs> the title of the movie, the Cup of Christ, is like Indiana Jones and the Cup. Of- <laughs> My favorite ramen flavor. <laughs> I think you just figured out our new McGuffin. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Jesus Cup. Sacrilegious intentions. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. <sighs> Indiana Jones and the mug of our savior. <laughs> oh, oh my god. I can't believe it. I, I, it's in the fucking title, Brian. <laughs> no, it's it's uh it's it's uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yes, yes. It's not, yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, Jesus. Have a cup of Christ. Oh, oh Christ cup. Oh man. So salty. The cup of Christ. Oh man. Go away, Indiana Jones. Back to that. All right. All right. Fuck Ugh. this shit. Yeah, I, I, uh, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, it's, you know, the action scenes aren't going to be like they were when he, when he was younger. And it's just not, I just don't know if I want to, you know, like, uh, I don't know if I want to watch the old adventures of Indiana, Indiana old bones, you know. Where's the drive for this coming from? Is it Spielberg? Is it Harrison? Where's it from? It's a lot of it's Harrison. I mean, Harrison's mm-hmm. been wanting to... Harrison loves this character and I think he, he wants to come back and I, I think it's about redemption. He's doing, I mean, Jake, that, what are we saying here? He's doing like the, he's doing like the tour of, uh, Harrison Ford, like going back to, yeah. the, he's going back to the well. He's going back to the, the well with his cup of Christ and he's dipping it <laughs> into that well again. And he, you know, he did, uh, The Force Awakens with Han Solo. Now he's doing Blade Runner and then he wants to finish on, uh, on this, like, what's he gonna, what's he gonna do after that? I mean, is he gonna do Air Force One that, Two, Air Force One <laughs> Two, The Fugitive Three, not with Wesley Snipes? <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, yeah, wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, Indiana Jones Five. Yeah, but that's gonna be real shitty. <laughs> Whew, man, it's such a low bar too. It's like. Well, it'll be better. Anything will be better than Part Four. I'll give it that. It's got a yeah. good chance to be better than uh, 
crystal cave or whatever it is. <laughs> Fucking <Skull>. aliens. <laughs> the cup of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Now I want to see that parody film. Stranger Things director Sean Levy isn't opposed to an IMAX release of Stranger Things. Uh, here's what he said to Forbes when asked if he thinks it could work. It does, without a question, and you'll see season two lends itself even more dramatically to a big screen. It's very cinematic. It's much more cinematic in season two. Uh, we had this modest little premiere for season one of Stranger Things, and we screened the first episode of season one at some rental space in Hollywood. It was a mediocre screen and the sound system, uh, but it was uh, a mediocre screen and sound system, but it was still a genuine thrill for the Duffer brothers and I to see our show with a live audience on a big screen. That experience stayed with us, and it's something we would love to recreate on a more polished and larger scale in the future. Um, I... I, I, of course, that I would, makes sense with the trailers and seeing like giant beast on the horizons and stuff. Yeah, shots. but is this? It, does it have enough of a? I know they do this with like the fathom events with like Doctor Who and and uh, of course you, you got to do it with Inhumans. You know who doesn't want to go to the theater and watch the Inhumans in IMAX? Um, yeah. <laughs> how, how do you do this? Do you run the whole series? No, just the, two episodes. I, I would say two episodes, the first mm-hmm. two. But like, do 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 you run those episodes early, Jake? Like two, three weeks before the actual premiere on Netflix, or do you do it at the same time? Because, like, if you're asking me... Fuck, people would go. I would go to the theater if I could watch Stranger Things two weeks early. Oh, I'm there, too. That's what I'm saying. Like, you wouldn't you have to do it that way? Like, right now, they they can't really do that right now. Like, you know, this Inhumans thing's been set up for quite a while with the the theater release. Like, we're we're looking at, like, October 27th, this dropping. Yeah, Yeah, it's... That's yeah, I don't see it happening, but I think there's money to be made if they could make it happen. Yeah, maybe season three, and they're even talking season four. But I think by, I think definitely by season three, it's going to have such a huge following that if they did want to drop it, you know, two three weeks early, you're going to have quite a few people showing up to the theater. I can even see people like cosplaying as different characters. So, oh yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I showed up. I showed up to. Eggos. I showed up to the IMAX theater for Inhumans dressed as uh, Black Bolt, so yeah, that, that's easy. What a cop out! Just put the tuning fork on your head. I know. No, dude, I did. <laughs> quit trying to toot your horin about your IMAX Inhumans premiere party. To, to be, yeah, to be <laughs> to be one hundred percent completely honest with everybody, I did not see Inhumans in IMAX. I'm gonna wait for it to come out on uh, ABC. So yeah. I'm I not, said I was gonna and then didn't. I'm not spending the money to see that in theaters, dude. I had this weird thought that they weren't gonna make me pay 15 bucks to see it. That it would kind of be a special engagement and they would charge like a lower premium price, but no. No dice. Mm-mm. 15 bucks. I was not gonna do that. Screw that. Star Wars and Marvel films are officially leaving Netflix sometime in 2019. They tried to, uh, we reported on this, you know, that uh, Disney is going to have their own streaming service and the Star Wars and Marvel films are going to be a part of that deal and move over to the streaming and be taken off Netflix. Netflix then tried to get into negotiations to keep those as well as keep the uh, Marvel Netflix TV shows. Um, but it looks like uh, Bob Iger confirmed the news during a Q&A at 
a Bank of America Merrill Lynch Media Communications and Entertainment Conference saying, <laughs> we've now decided we will put the Marvel and Star Wars movies on this app as well. So it's, it's but it, it, it's still believed that they will probably, Netflix will probably still remain the home of the Marvel Netflix series, you know, shows like Jessica Jones and Daredevil. So, um, but they are going to be losing, you know, your like Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Rogue One. Um, yeah, they films. get everything like real quick. Like oh, right yeah. after mm-hmm. it comes on home video. Yeah, absolutely. Like within a month or two, feels like. Home video. I'm fucking old. Yeah, home, <laughs> home video. Oh my god. Remember, hey, do you remember like uh, the beginning of the. Uh, when you when you'd get the uh, the VHS and you pop it in and you, it'd say like coming soon to home video, yes, and you'd yes, get the fucking trailers for all the shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Uh, let's see here. Let's move on into let's move on into Marvel news. So I, I, you know, that's the thing, Jake. Uh, hold on before we move into Marvel news. That's the thing. I, I would love for Apple just to say fuck it and just buy Disney and then buy Netflix. That way we could have one fucking ultimate streaming service and not fucking three or four that we got to subscribe to. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy because there's been lots of crazy reports in the last couple of days about like what Disney would need to do to break even. It's like. 37 million subscribers yeah, yeah. or some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, crap. Yeah, you know, like Netflix, you hear all the reports that they're in debt and all this stuff. and yeah. Not making any money. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I've, I've read other reports as to, like, why they have gone into debt and, like, how it's going to help build how – it, how it's eventually going to build them up to where they are making big profits and things like that. So, but – um all right, let's move into uh, let's move into Marvel news. Marvel news. All right, Thor Ragnarok held uh, set visits last year, and finally this week, media outlets. Had their embargoes lifted so that we could, uh, so that they could all talk about it and we could talk about it. So there are possible spoilers here for Thor Ragnarok. So I'm going to play the old spoiler warning for everybody. The old cup of Christ spoiler warning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, uh, why did I say that? That was so weird. That was so, so weird. All right. Brain fart. <laughs> Spoiler warning. <laughs> I, got, I like how Frank called it like cup of noodles. What do you know? You call it like ramen? Ramen. That's ramen. That's my favorite flavor of ramen. Yeah. <laughs> Those soft, soggy little wafer thing. Oh, man. Yeah. Fill, fill me with the Holy Spirit noodles. <laughs> Chicken broth. All right. Here we go. Spoiler warning. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dickhole. You have been warned, spoiler pussies. Ah, uh, see here. We found out when it's set in the timeline, kind of. Um, it's a uh, timeline in Marvel Cinematic Universe is getting a little wonky, a little weird. Screen Rant, one of the media outlets that were invited. Uh, spoke to producer Brad Winderbaum and found out that it's uh, that, that after Age of Ultron, 
Thor has spent the last couple of years on his own mission. Quote, it's not like five minutes after Ultron ends, we start this movie. It's a couple years later. This movie takes place basically, you know, it's hard. In the timeline of the MCU, because he doesn't even fucking know, guys. <laughs> That's why it's hard. <laughs> he don't know. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> what the fuck am I supposed to say? Well, Spider-Man Homecoming's ti- timeline was all messed up, right? I still haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. So some, someone will write it down, do the blueprint at some point. No, they yeah, and it still doesn't make sense. <laughs> it still doesn't make sense with the events of when, like when the Avengers took place and when this movie takes place, and when when Homecoming took place. It makes yeah, no didn't sense. Didn't they say it was like eight years ago? And then it yeah, and then it, the kids' ages are all messed up because you're like looking at the drawing that his daughter did, you know, Michael Keaton's daughter did in that movie, yeah. and she's mm-hmm. supposed to be like a really like young girl when she did the drawing. Well, according uh, to the timeline, she's like not like six. She's like probably like a little bit older when she drew that, and that makes no sense. It's, yeah, that makes zero sense. Yeah, you have. To, I was thinking about that when they first started with the uh, salvage stuff, like eight years ago. I'm like doing the math in my head, like, wait, that's 2009. That's three years before the Avengers was released. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's 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 all sorts of messed up. Like I don't have that prepared because I didn't really want to go down that rabbit hole too much. All right. No, no, no. It's fine that you bring it up, but like I didn't want to like. Well, let's get into Spider-Man Homecoming and break down the <laughs> fucked up timeline. Like, no. If you want to find out how fucked up the Spider-Man Homecoming timeline is, there's articles out there, and it is fucked up. Does it affect, like, my enjoyment of the movie? No. It, I, You know, I like that movie enough. It was okay. and uh, it, But it, I didn't, like, leave the theater, like, you know, like, uh, fuck that movie and his timeline. You know, I, it... it <laughs> Yeah, I didn't really care. I had, as far I, as that, like, did not distract me at exactly. all. Exactly. But it, there's no denying that the MCU timeline's a little fucked up and wonky right now. So mm-hmm. if the quotes here from this guy aren't, like, 100% or if he doesn't sound like he's too sure, it's probably because he's not. He doesn't know, you know? So um, it, I, I don't know. Here we go. He goes, uh, the movie... You know, it's hard. In the timeline of the MCU, things kind of happen on top of each other, especially now in Phase 3. They're not as interlocked as they were in Phase 1. You know, during Fury's big week and everything, so Thor Ragnarok happens maybe on top of Civil War, on top of Spider-Man Homecoming, somewhere in that ballpark. So basically, guys, Captain America takes place, Captain America Civil War takes place one year after the events of Age of Ultron. And Spider-Man Homecoming is, like, close to that time. So I guess we're about a year removed from the events of Spider-Man Homecoming by the time this movie <laughs> takes place. But like, This shit's making my head hurt. We don't know. It doesn't really matter either, which is the important thing, I think, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, like... like I mean, we- as far as your enjoyment, just like it didn't bother you in Spider-Man Homecoming, like, it's not going to affect your enjoyment too much, right? I mean, that's... A little bit of the fun of the solo hero movies. No, I mean, I'm, right now, basically, I'm just talking to you about, like, when it takes place in the MCU timeline. I mean, like, how many articles out there, Jake, where they talk about the MCU timeline? They're all over the fucking place. They, oh, a gabillion, yeah, yeah they, a gabillion. They, they, I've seen, like, you know, uh, di- like, little fucking graphs, timelines, where they, like, show little pictures. Like, this is when Iron Man happens. This is when this event happens. This is when, like, you know, Banner gets hit with the gamma ray. Like, they, they go on into all this shit. And 
now we're kind of it's kind of getting a little murky. We don't <laughs> we don't know you know where where in the world is Carmen San Diego. We don't know right now. You know who knows where that bitch is? She's all over the yeah, globe. It's a lot of movies, and it's not. I don't think it's going to help it with you know all the Avengers stuff and yeah. how many characters that's going to entail, right. and then other movies coming out in between those movies. It's only going to get murkier. It, yeah, it's like the more they're going to try to bring it up and address it, the worse it's going to be. Yeah, I think the, I don't think you should address it. Yeah, I mean, let, let the fan, let the fans address it. Yeah, like for the longest time, people were wondering like, eh, when's Doctor Strange take place? You know, <clears throat> and like during that movie, we actually saw like. Didn't we see, like, he had an award that said, like, uh, 2016 or something on it? Mm-hmm. 2017? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it gave mm-hmm. away the time frame there. So anyway, um, <clears throat> let's see here. We find out from the set visits that uh, Thor and Jane Foster aren't together anymore by the start of the film. So, you know, there's rumors that he might hook up with Valkyrie in this one. Um, Maybe and, he'll uh, be the Hulk's next, like romance that doesn't make sense no no I, dude i was actually like i like i was thinking about the porn version of this movie and it was going to be called thor of course thor ragnarok which yeah. <laughs> but he's thor is an ass guardian he's an ass guardian and so he's guarding his ass and that's what hulk wants in the arena he wants to butt fuck thor brings new meaning to hulk smash but see in my version thor has a lisp and so after hulk fucks him in the butt Hulk goes, how do you feel? And he goes, Thor. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's I put, uh, a, put a lot of thought deep. into it. It's deep. Yeah. And then afterward, they shared a cup of Christ. <laughs> yeah, they did. Why not, just, why not just call it Thor Raging Cock? Thor Raging Cock? Yeah. It's close. You get it, right? You can call him Whore, right? Whore. Yeah, that's not bad either. Whore Raging Cock? Yeah. This this episode's falling apart. <laughs> it started with Cup of Christ. It ended with my fucking Thor joke. <laughs> Thor's racing cock. Uh, oh man, that's funny. Conan used to do a, a bunch of funny stuff with doing the lispy Thor voice in the Thor trailers. Do you remember when he did that for the first movie? Who did what? Conan used to do the lispy Thor, like the uh, I'm Thor. No, I don't remember. Oh, I missed that when he did it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was pretty fun stuff. All right, so we, uh, yeah, they talked to Chris Hemsworth about uh, the status, I guess, of uh, Thor and Jane. Man, my throat, I got like a fucking itch, not an itch, but uh, something in my throat, and it's driving me crazy. Mm. Take a break. Get a drink. It's fine. I got a drink here. I got a tickle in my throat, and it's pissing me off. Um, Let's see here. Chris Hemsworth uh, had this to say about Thor and Jane while on set. We have this, we have some, some very respectable fun with how that relationship may have come to an end. And then he laughed. So, hmm. be, are they going to poke fun in Natalie Portman and her I, bad attitude? I would think so. I would think so. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> I kind of like it. Uh, let's see here. What about Hulk? Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. We've heard so much about this movie and all of its ad libbing that may take place in it. So that kind of the more I think about it, that's not shocking that something like that would happen. Yeah, yeah. This is gonna be this is gonna be good. I, I can't wait for this one. Um, yeah. What about the what about Hulk? So we haven't seen Bruce Banner since Age of Ultron. 
And he's uh, last time we saw him, he was flying off in the Quinjet. And uh, we were all left with the lingering question, will they or won't they? I hope I hope he gets together with, you know, Scarlett Johansson, you know, Black Widow. Because, like, that was such a – I'm so glad that Joss Whedon explored that side of those characters. So interesting. I, I'm, I, I still can't stop thinking about it, Jake. Yeah, yeah. The inner rage of Hulk was a very deep topic in Age of Ultron. No, no, the relationship between him and her, you know, like her calming him down. Oh, yeah, it's all, it's all tied together. With She's, the inner, like, yeah, the Hulk whisperer, you know? <laughs> so good. So good, man. I, just, I want a whole movie of that. Like, I want a whole fucking, like, notebook-style film about that. <laughs> that relationship between those two characters, you know? You spend yes. ten minutes talking about his feelings. No, like at, the end, the rage. like at the end of the movie, like she's talking to Banner and like he doesn't remember like all these other times where like she's talked him down because like he was the green guy. And it's like, man, dude, that just that's just good shit, dude. Man, what a, I'm so glad Joss Whedon introduced that storyline because like I, I honestly mm-hmm. feel like they are going to they are just going to explore that in so many different ways in future films because it was that interesting in Age of Ultron. Yeah, it's the ripple effect, I think, is what you refer that to. Yeah, Brian. man, so good. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's one of the just one of the things that I hated about that movie. So I got to fucking pick at it because I think it's. I don't think anybody gives a fuck about that now. Nobody's talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it didn't yeah. go anywhere. That's for sure. There's. It doesn't. Ha- nothing happens in any movie. Even honestly, even within that movie, Hulk takes off, and yeah. that's the end of it. Yeah. So it's kind of. It was a one and done. Yeah. So um, let's see here. He's been he flew off in the Quinjet. So Screen Rant had this to say about that. As was explained to us by production designer Dan Henna, wormholes aren't that uncommon in the MCU's version of outer space. Simply take a wrong turn, get tossed from a faster than light trip, and you're likely to wind up washing out of a cosmic sewer pipe smack into Sakar. Apparently, wormholes exist either close enough to Earth's atmosphere to snag the Quinjet, Hulk, and all. Or the smashing superhero really did decide to head into the stars and leave his earthly troubles behind. We won't spoil how it is that Thor ends up retracing Bruce Banner's footsteps and can't say for certain just how Hulk's true intentions will be revealed. What we do know is that the ruler of Sakaar knows an entertaining warrior when he sees one, and if Hulk landed in search of a new beginning or a new mission, it didn't take him long to find it. And an, unbear- uh, blah, blah, blah. an unbeatable, indestructible, rage-filled warrior with no desire to do anything but start over lands in the lap of the Grand Master. He doesn't allow it to leave. Thor, Rag- uh, the Ragnarok trailers have shown Hulk's popularity and prowess as the champion of Sakaar's Gladiator Games, but everything changes when a friend from Earth he never expected to see comes calling. Hulk is able to recognize Thor even in his more primitive form, and the subsequent trailers have shown Hulk carrying on a conversation with the Asgardian. The trailers also reveal that Bruce Banner will be emerging once again for the first time in two years. We can't predict the effect it will have on the mind or psyche of either Bruce Banner or the Hulk, but we do know one thing. After spending time and money to keep his champion entertained and satisfied, the Grandmaster isn't likely to appreciate losing him or the demigod looking to steal him either. So, um, hmm. that, that makes a lot of sense with how much we've heard that um, these characters will carry over 
potentially in future movies. Yeah. I feel like this this will be the moment where Thor pisses the Grandmaster off and that will have its later repercussions in yeah. a future Avengers movie. I like how t- uh, director Taika Waititi is talking about Thor Ragnarok and how this is his version of Thor 1. Like it's basically he's saying like this is your new Thor and we're starting over. Just kind of like what Marvel does with the comic books. They don't like 100% reboot stuff, but they mm-hmm. you know, they uh they change things. They get new creators in there and they and they call it, you know, uh what are they? Marvel Now or uh you know, whatever they call it, you know, whatever the new initiative is. And this this yeah, feels exactly. like this feels like a Thor rebranding. This film. Yeah, it is it is interesting what Marvel movies they choose to use numbers and what movies they don't like that. Yeah. So it, it's a it's an and the fact that they don't just like do it the same across the board is interesting. Yeah. So it makes it a little bit easier to make those kind of changes like you're saying. It it does feel like a fresh start, honestly. I mean, this Thor movie looks nothing like those first two no. as far as yeah. the style and the visuals. Do you guys think that if uh, Thor Ragnarok blows up in the box office in, a, in the same month where we get the Justice League, do you think if Thor Ragnarok blows up in the box office that Taika Waititi will be the first director to come back and direct a second Thor film? Could be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would want to if, – if he does a successful Thor film, they might want to grab onto him. Yeah. I mean, it seems we, like he had a great time too. It doesn't seem like there was any like discontent between him and the studio. Oh man. I, I mean, I, I was watching like, uh, they had like the, the rapping party, you know, like they just wrapped filming and Taika Waititi was like on uh, Facebook and he was showing, he was doing it live. And I remember watching it and like the cast and Taika and everybody was just having a great time. And it looked like they had a lot of fun filming in Australia. So. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think there's a good chance that we could see him come back. Frank, are you excited for Thor? Yeah, I actually am. <laughs> it does have a different feel to it. Um, I know that a lot of people didn't like that, you know, the first couple of trailers had that rock music background because everybody's going to that. But uh, I, I, I the music was fitting, though. It was fitting. Yeah. They talk about in the in that song it, it says Valhalla. I'm coming home. That's 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 fucking like Asgardian Norse Viking shit right there. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I was I was always. Cool. Oh, I know, I know. I'm just I'm I'm just bitching yeah, those I, people. I didn't really care too much for the first two films. They're just kind of eh. So yeah, I'm excited to see. Yeah, uh, we found out a lot more about Valkyrie, played by uh, Tessa Thompson from Westworld. We found out a lot more about her character. She uh, she's an Asgardian warrior, but uh, why is she working with the Grand Master then? And why did she bring Thor as a prisoner to the Grand Master? Um, well, we we actually speculated on this show, Jake, uh, that she was banished from Asgard by Odin. And you know we've said this like that's that's what we felt like was the only <laughs> this was the only way that. That, that she would be in this universe the way she is working for the Grand Master. Like, she's got, like, a chip on her shoulder against Odin. And uh, that's that's exactly what's happening here. Um, we've, we, they, they, we found out through the, the set vid- visits that, that uh, Odin had kind of like his own um, – they called it uh, – what was it? Yeah, Brad Winderbaum talked about it. He said, Valkyrie in the comics is traditionally the character Brunhilde who – comes to be known as Valkyrie. Calling someone Valkyrie is like referring to someone as soldier. 
our view of the Valkyrie in the MCU is that they were basically Odin's special ops, his SEAL Team 6. Valkyrie, as we meet her in this film, has definitely suffered the trauma of war, and we meet her in a really low place. So we find out that basically, you know, she was on this mission, uh, I guess, and she failed this mission, and and so she's banished from Asgard. And so now she's a bounty hunter on the planet Sakaar, where the Hulk and Thor, they do their, their gladiator battle. That's where that's going to take place. And you'll remember that planet from uh, planet the Planet Hulk comic. But it sounds like she's going to get a lot more time than I honestly expected. Yeah. Well, in the like, trailer, I wasn't thinking she would get any time away from the principal characters, but it sounds like she has to. Yeah, and they're also speculating that she might be the love interest for Thor going forward after the loss of Jane Foster. So we'll find that out, I guess. Um, and it, it was interesting in these set visits. Like, of course, like in the trailer, you see like her on like a flying Pegasus horse and like with other warriors, and they're they're kind of falling down from the sky. So that might be the failed mission. Um, and the way she looks in the trailer, the way aesthetically her costume and everything is completely different while she's that warrior than when we see her as a bounty hunter. So she looks completely different. It's almost like she's trying to hide who she was. Now, when Thor meets her and maybe, maybe he, I'm guessing what happens is like he battles Surtur. He kills some of Surtur's minions, and then Surtur is the one that chains him up and then hands him over to Valkyrie. And Valkyrie then takes him to Sakaar, the Grand Master. And Valkyrie has other reasons for doing this. It's kind of like uh, kind of like Zod wanting to get back at Superman for what Jarrell did, you know? Man, you're the connected out master on this Thor stuff. <laughs> like, fuck off! I think I wasn't. I was being completely sincere. Yeah, it sounded like connect the dot master. Like, yeah, like hey, put that on your resume, Brian. You know, you're, no, I, I was being completely sincere. I mean, you've taken like four or five things we know, yeah, and you've drawn the line right, like perfectly through them. Like, I'm completely in sync with everything you've said. Like, okay, I, I was being completely sincere. I, I'm. It's fine. I was. I wasn't really upset anyway. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, so. Uh, we've got this, uh, I lost my train of thought, but, um, so, yeah, don't, don't play this guy in Connect Four. He will fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, fuck, where was I? Uh, now I've lost my tra- train of thought. I was like, I was going places. Totally lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yeah, uh, we find out. No, you're fine. We- back to, back to the Salter I- no. and then. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, Surtur, she, he battles Surtur and probably kills a few of the minions, gets chained up. He hands Thor over to Valkyrie, then hands Thor over to the Grand Master, and she probably is taking satisfaction by hoping that, uh, Hulk is going to destroy the son of Odin, the god who banished her from Asgard. And now she's forced to live this life as a bounty hunter. Now, when Thor meets her, we found out through the set visits that he's heard of her or or he knows of her and her battles. And they're legendary. Valkyrie and her the the women warriors that she had were legendary. And so Hulk uh, Thor is like a a fanboy. So he fanboys out when he meets her. So um, and there's also rumors that she might have a. uh, a change of allegiance 
by the end of this film. I, I don't know if Scourge, not Scourge, is it Scourge? That's right. Carl Urban. Carl yeah. Urban's character. I'm, you get a nice fresh drink there, Frank? <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was loud. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Mute buttons are amazing. Um, <laughs> so... No, Scur- I was I was confusing Scourge with Curse from the Dark World. I was like, did I get the name no. right? Is it supposed to be? Yeah, but it's Scourge, yeah, played by Carl Urban. I don't know if he's going to change allegiances, but a lot of people are saying that, like, once she realizes what Hela has done to Asgard and what's happening there, that that's more important, that Asgard is more important. I mean, she was once a protector of Asgard, that she will change allegiances and fight alongside Thor by the end of this film. So we'll find out. I, I don't know if that's the case, but that seems to be a theory and a rumor that's out there. What's your uh, gut feeling on Hela? Do you think do you think she's going to deliver? They are saying that she is. Like they've talked to Taika, um, they, and, and he said that he doesn't know if they have plans for the character to come back in the future. Um, but it doesn't sound like. From what I'm hearing from the quotes, there's nothing confirmed. It doesn't sound like she's going to die, that she could come back, and they said that she's that that she's uh, a pretty terrifying and, and great villain. Um, if anybody can do it, it's Kate Blanchett. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah she's great. She's I, great. I hope it's good. Yeah, and I love the character. Yeah, yeah, and she looks aesthetically awesome. The costume looks great. Um, mm-hmm. you know. One of the few times, like just doing the comic book thing, really yeah. works. If we get another Malekith, I'll, I will be 100 percent let down, though. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't deal with that shit. I, and I we think have, Thor one had weak villain problems too. Do you think Jake? Do you think like Jake Frank? Do you think in the marketing? Do you think that they should focus a little bit more on Hela, the character in the trailers, as opposed to keeping her kind of secretive? Because all we've been getting is like, you know, the funny shit and, uh, and I don't, I don't mind it. I, I'm enjoying the trailers. I think they're fun and I love seeing them in the theater, but we're seeing like more of the gladiator battle every time. Like they do, they are really fucking like shoving that gladiator battle dick in our asses. <laughs> do you, right. I think you make the most money when you get the kids want, wanting to see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, but as far fine. as like holding her back, if she's good in this, definitely hold her back. I want to see that on the screen, not in a fucking trailer. They held back a lot of Alexandra for the Defenders, and she was garbage. And I know that that's Marvel TV, and this is Marvel Films. But you know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I want you know, I don't know, man. I, I guess, we didn't I, see a ton of Malekith in the freaking Thor Dark World trailers, yeah. and that was garbage. True. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm happy to see Loki again too. I'm happy to see Loki yeah. again. So it did. It was exciting to see Loki again. Yeah. So yeah, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It looks like it's going to be really hilarious. And I know a lot of people hate that, but yeah. fuck them. We're we know we're getting Doctor Strange at the beginning of this film. Uh, you know, but there might also be another MCU connection here with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, there was some concept art on the set visits of the Milano. So I don't know if that means that we're getting the actual Guardians in this film or not, but there was concept art of, um, you know, the Milano there. So I don't know. It's we, – we, the Milano, of course, is, you know, Peter Quill's ship in, in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. But there was also concept art of the, of the alien artifacts dealer from Guardians of the Galaxy, the, the guy with the spiky horns on his head that – Mm-hmm. Peter was trying to sell the the egg that contained the Infinity Stone to. 
But then, like, once that guy heard that it was actually Ronan was after it, he freaked out and then kicked Peter out. Yeah. There, there was concept art of that character talking to the Grand Master in, like, a forest. The Grand Master played by Jeff Goldblum, of course. But so for all we know, like, if this is incorporated into the film, that alien, that, that uh, artifacts dealer is – is, was trying to procure like the stone for the Grand Master to give to his brother, the Collector, or he was just trying to get the the stones to Thanos. So we we don't know, but I think it's interesting that we might get a Guardians of the Galaxy connection here in one way or the other, with it being either the Milano or or this artifacts dealer. Hmm. I wonder if any of it will directly connect to some of the footage we saw with the Infinity War stuff with the Thor meetup with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I think, uh, didn't they say that uh, this movie, the end of this movie in no way affects what happens in the Infinity War? Yeah, they did say that, but, you know, you never know. I mean, I'm sorry how, to get all Correction gotta, Tuesday on you, Jake. But it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I mean, Correction Tuesday or not, yeah. in that Infinity War footage, we very clearly see that the Guardians of the Galaxy have no fucking idea who Thor is. Like, right. they, they make no bones about that. Sure. So how else do you play the Guardians of the Galaxy in this Thor movie without discrediting what we already know from that? Yeah, I know. I'm just That's saying, true. I'm just, this is concept art. Concept art does not always even make it into the film. If I were to guess, like, which of these Guardians of the Galaxy connections are going to make it into the film, it's not going to be the Milano and the Guardians. It's going to be this artifacts dealer that we saw. Yeah, we got to shuffle the gems. Uh, Thor is the biggest Marvel movie coming out before Avengers War that right. directly connects to the Avengers franchise. Right. Yeah. And so, there's guaranteed to be some stone shuffling going on here. Well, yeah, I, I honestly think the only way that Hela is able to destroy Mjolnir in the trailer is by using a an Infinity Stone. Yeah, and that that makes perfect sense. I wouldn't even play devil's advocate against that. Uh, probably. Um, Chris Hemsworth uh, promised that we're going to find out what's going on with Lady Sif and the Warriors Three in this film because. Guys, they've been missing from all the trailers. They've they've been missing from all the marketing. So we're going to find out exactly what's going on with them. Um, Jake, Frank. Yeah. Here's a here's this is a very unlikely theory, and this is from me. This is this is all my speculation. I don't think that this is going to happen, but we we know that in the Infinity movie we're getting. Uh, the Black Order, which is, which you know, I I remember from the comics they were introduced in Jonathan Hickman's Infinity Run. Um, they were actually introduced, I think, in issues before that with when he did like um, his Avengers Run, and he did yeah they they like leaked him out during yes. his uh, Avengers solo run. Yeah, he did two Avengers books. He did um, what was it? He did Avengers, the main title, and then he did. What was the, it was called New Avengers. Yes, New Avengers, was which it? I think so. It was the one where he introduced, like, with the – he had the new Illuminati in that one. It was focused yeah, around – Yeah, it was new, more about the Illuminati yes. and what was going on with the stones. Yes. And so you had, like, these new characters, the Black Order. It was uh, Corvus Glaive, um, Ebony Maw, Proxima Midnight, and Black Dwarf, who – Black Dwarf is going to be renamed in Infinity War film Cole Obsidian. I don't know why, whatever. But – what if, what if 
the Warriors three and Sif are turned into the Black Order. Oh, that's cool. That would make the Black Order interesting instead of just faceless thug guys right to punch right like what if like at the end of this movie or somewhere in this movie like in a post credit scene we see like i don't know hella hella is still there and she turns she's the one that turns them into the black order or you know yeah. i actually i actually love this brian because i i've done nothing but hate the black order like, yeah it just looks like the most uninteresting thing about the next avengers movie to me and that's like the first thing i've heard that gives me any interest in that storyline the numbers it's a number it's a it, it, it i mean it kind of adds up like i mean you know like what happened like why are they so absent from the marketing why are they so absent from the trailers you know mm-hmm. and i know sure. they're not like the biggest characters but we know we are getting lady sif in here i mean i think it has been kind of confirmed that that um the actress uh, jamie alexander is coming back to play lady sif and and then Hemsworth is promising us that we're going to find out what's happened to them in this film. So I think it makes sense to turn them into the Black Order so that way, that way by the time we get to Infinity War, we have some sort of a connection to these characters. Yes, yes. You're going to need yeah. that because otherwise maybe, you don't have time to build any connection to it. Jake, maybe that's why Thor is floating around in space because they fucking knocked him the fuck out. Yeah, I like it. So oh, That's good stuff. All right. Uh, let's see here. X Force is being both. Uh, yeah, let's move on. We're out of out of Thor set visit news. So yeah, pretty pretty cool stuff. I, I think minor spoilers. I don't think it's huge, right? No, no, nothing big there. Still Just lots the, to learn. Yeah, like a lot to get me excited. Um, X Force is being uh, both written and directed by Cabin in the Woods um, director uh, Drew Goddard. Yeah, that's good. That's exciting. Who also he was the guy who started the Marvel Netflix Daredevil series as the showrunner. This Drew yeah. Yeah. dude. He was the uh major brains behind the uh, Angel Television series, the Buffy spin-off too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He did episodes with uh yeah, it was uh and uh, Cabin in the Woods was written by Joss Whedon. Correct, correct. Uh Drew Goddard also wrote The Martian with Matt Damon. Um, you know, the the news came from Deadline Fox has set Drew Goddard to write and direct X-Force, the X-Men universe pick that revolves around Deadpool and Cable leading a black ops force of down-and-dirty mutant warriors who are far more ruthless than their X-Men counterparts. Uh, Jake, Frank, are, are you guys excited for the X-Force I'm film? S- and are you excited I'm about Drew Goddard? Now. I am I'm now. super pumped now. Yeah, because of the Drew Goddard thing. I think Drew Goddard is a, a special class of writer when it comes to writing this superhero stuff. I... It's very few and far between when you get a guy that can not only do the dark and serious well, but also do the charming, touching, funny stuff and not have it come off as like out of place or in the wrong movie or, or just completely fall flat. Like Drew Goddard is just really good at like genre bending in these superhero shows, I think. I think we saw it in Daredevil, we saw it in, you know, his earlier Angel, Cabin in the Woods. Like he really is somehow able to be both funny and dark and serious mm-hmm. at the same time. And I think that's exactly what X-Force calls for. I think Frank's going to love this movie. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I this. bet. Frank, well, you love Deadpool. You thought Ryan Reynolds was oh, hilarious. Yeah. I mean, that that humor, you love that. And uh-huh. and then uh, you're, you're, a, you're a big fan of Buffy, and this guy's worked on Buffy. 
and you're, yeah. you're a big fan of uh, you know like the, uh, of that world. I think this is like taking two things that you love and putting them together. I think Frank is Frank. You're just gonna like jizz all over this film. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true. Yeah, I I really didn't know that uh, that uh, he was gonna be this involved with it. Yeah. I, well, this news just broke. None of us did. Yeah. I know. I know. Like uh, up until this point, I've just been kind of like eh. Yeah. I'm, well, I mean, that's a fucked up thing. We get news out of the Fox camp about like Simon Kinberg is going to direct X Men Dark Phoenix, and there's so much wrong in that. <laughs> uh, let me get right. into all that's wrong. Uh, Simon Kinberg, wrong. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Dark Phoenix, too soon, wrong. Uh, yeah. Bringing back uh, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, all the characters that we thought were leaving, we thought we were going to get a fresh. St- start no they're they're coming back and like jennifer lawrence has come out and said she came back for the fans it's like come on no nobody was like rallying behind your mystique so okay all right katniss you can fuck off like i (laughs) i know i love jennifer lawrence i just don't love and, and it's not like i don't like the fact i don't like it's not like i hate her mystique i i hate how they write her it's like no, that's, yeah, it's like her fame broke the whole thing. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It's otherwise they would just write towards the character and not towards the actress, and it would yeah. just be this in-your-face crazy shit. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Man, it's not. That's not the mystique from the comic, and and they they've got a right to put her, give her all this screen time because she is such a big draw, big star now. So yeah, it's. I don't know. I, I there, there, but but we're looking at that side of the X Men universe, and it's all crap. All the news that we're getting, and then we get news like this, like you know, okay, Deadpool's in it. You know, uh, we're getting Drew Goddard to to write and direct this thing. It's so promising. Yeah. yeah. Anytime you get that writer director combo too, that's that's so helpful. Yeah. You know, you don't have to deal with any like of the politics between those two people trying to decide on what the vision is. It's, it's one guy, one vision and he's laying it down. You know who I want to see direct, um, one of these, uh, Fox movies. Uh, I, I want to see them get, um, um, Edgar Wright. Oh yeah. I'd love to see him still get a chance at doing a superhero movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see just going to town. I'd love to see Fox do do the right thing, and um, that's, now I'm thinking of Spike Lee. Um, you know what you have, Ed, you know, you know what you have Edgar Wright do in the Fox universe, don't you? What? Ooh. Ecstatics. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, really? That's where Dupe came from. No, it's all the it's all the. Oh, you you need to check out Ecstatics. It was when they did that crazy thing where they introduced a brand new X Force team. And then they killed, like, they killed them off in the very next issue, the entire team. <laughs> oh, no shit. And then they were replaced by Ecstatics. And it's just, it was like a really off-the-wall X-Men comic. Wow. Huh. That's, uh, it's collected in an omnibus, too. It's uh, Mike Allred did all the art. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that does sound like that would be right up Edgar Wright's alley. It's just completely goofy and off the wall and just lots of wild powers. Yeah. And I, I just feel like if we're giving Edgar Wright a Fox mutant property, that's the no-brainer to me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. 
Yeah. I like that. That's cool. Edgar Wright, I, I would love to see him, like, you know, just kind of like, you know, I love the Marvel movies, of course, you know, most of them. I would, but it'd be kind of cool to have him give Marvel the finger and make a, a movie for Fox with one of their superheroes and see what he could do, you know? Oh, yeah. I, it would be, and if it was amazing, yeah. it would be just the ultimate middle finger. Yeah. And he's a hot property right now since Baby Driver, so it's not like people can look down on him for what happened with Ant Man that, that I was, far back. I personally would like to see him do, uh, maybe even go to Sony and do Superior Foes of Spider Man. Do you remember that would, book? Yeah, yeah. I, man, I would just love to see him do spider-man instead of b-list characters yeah not that yeah. that wouldn't be fun too yeah yeah oh man if he helmed the actual spider-man film yeah yeah i just was like ah fuck the b-list characters i'd let him do spider-man <laughs> yeah no yeah that's uh, that's attractive too i like it all right let's uh let's move into dc look, news what, go ahead look in the chat real quick I, i'm showing you the the first cover of this mike allred ecstatics if you can click on that get a look at it Oh yeah, that's I love Michael Allred's art. Oh yeah, that was a great. He did every issue of that. It was great. All right, let's see. We're gonna move into DC news and wrap this up because this episode fucking sucks. <laughs> Indie with DC news is just oh my gosh. Yeah. Usually, there's a reason for me not to hang myself at the end of these episodes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's just end it now. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, it's time for, uh, time, there. time for, uh, DC uh, news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. Alright, uh, and real quick, uh, uh, actor Alan Richson, who, uh, he played the original Aquaman on Smallville and, uh, was in the, uh, Kevin Hart, Josh Gad film, The Wedding Ringer, has now been cast as Hawk on uh, DC streaming original Titans, so there goes any chance of him <laughs> being Shazam for the DCEU. I'm a little upset. I, I was hoping that he would get it. He's the guy that I wanted from day one. And, yeah. yeah, it was really cool how energetic he was when you suggested it to him, too, on Twitter. I'll never forget that. that I was so fucking excited, dude. I, like, I told him, I said, just got out of the wedding ringer, and... Uh, I think uh, that Alan Richson would be perfect for uh, Warner Brothers' uh, Shazam film. And, like, yeah, he pointed – he had, like, a big arrow pointing to it and he, ret- <laughs> he retweeted it and said, yeah, I love this. Thank you. And, and uh, you know, and that was, like, two – well, two years before, like, there was any, like, real rumors of him even playing the part. So that was uh, that was really cool, but – didn't happen. Uh, also found out that uh, Minka Kelly from Friday Night Lights is going to be Dove in that Titans mm. TV show. So. Are you excited for this? I am. I actually am. I, I, um, they've 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 cast some some good people here. I, Minka Kelly is she's decent. Um, she's decent. I think. How, she, how do I have to watch this? This is going to be on the DC streaming service. Which, if honestly, if if they pull everything from like Netflix's catalog. Over there, if we can get if we can get all the '66 Batman, if we can get all the Batman films, if we can get you know all all Smallville, if we can get you know like Flash seasons one through three, 
Arrow seasons one through five, all these shows. If we can get it all there, all the animated movies. I'm talking about, you know, under the, under the Red Hood and and all these animated. If I can get your password. Yeah, yeah. If we can get all, yeah. If, <laughs> if we can get all that shit, man, on one fucking service, I, I think it's well worth it. Just uh, especially just for like the original programming. So. I, I, I am you made, excited. You made it sound spicy there. There's definitely enough material there to, to warrant yeah. making people pay more money. If I'm saying if we get all that, you know, like, and I think we will. I think they're going to go the same route that, you know, Marvel uh, is doing, what Disney is doing with Netflix and waiting for their contracts to run out with, like, you know, Netflix. Because, like, they, ha- they do have, you know, they lost recently the Batman 66 movie. That's not going back on Netflix, you know. Um, that's I think it's all going to go on DC streaming. And I don't know, man. It's one of those things where I, I am a little upset that we're not going to get Nightwing in this. It's been confirmed that we're getting Robin. So, hmm. or they That's said they said they said Dick Grayson. I guess I don't know if it's one hundred percent Robin. So don't correction Tuesday me if I'm wrong. But they didn't confirm. They they just said it was Dick Grayson, as far as I know. But I don't know. Um, I, I'm I, I I definitely am going to check out the first three four episodes to see if I like it. And see if I want to stick on it because Jake, I've been a big fan of like this whole CW universe that they've created. So yeah, yeah. And if they're smart, they'll they'll do another spinoff for this yeah. exclusive. They got to do something exclusive to get yeah. to hook you in. I guess that's the uh, Titans, though. Gar, gar, gar. Yeah, they'll do it with the Titans here. So um, Joss Whedon is officially getting a writing credit on Justice League alongside Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio from Argo. Uh, so according to the Writers Guild of America, he needs to write at least 33% of the screenplay for the credit. So he's getting a credit. Hmm. So he's at least written 33% of this, at least. Could be That's more. That's interesting. I wonder, I wonder how that math works. Like is 33% 33% of how long the screenplay is or is it the film time? Because I could easily see Whedon writing 10 minutes of dialogue and mm-hmm. – that being thirty three percent of all the dialogue <laughs> in the movie, I think it's like pages. You know what I mean? They, they, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, okay. They, they tally the so pages. So what I'm saying is correct. Yeah, like it really. The actual film could still be very much eighty percent Zack Snyder, twenty percent Whedon, but he still <laughs> filled thirty three percent of that mm-hmm. of that screenplay. Yeah, and like you could write a screenplay and be like, oh, we're not going to use that. That's not going to get. Yeah. That's not going to get locked into the film. So I don't because I know what Zack Snyder pages look like. They're they're like bombastic explosion and then you turn the page i imagine it like lee field's letterer from back in the 90s marvel comic days kind of you know and i know booms on a page yeah yeah (laughs) yeah whedon i'm surprised whedon whedon probably wrote 70 percent of that screenplay he's gonna get the writer's credit but he's not he's definitely not gonna get it's gonna go to directorial is gonna go to zach so oh yeah and and it should yeah Zack Snyder, I think, just did a uh, short film. There's a short film really? coming well, out. By that Zach. makes no sense. Is hey, this... Zack Snyder, go uh, get your family back together. I just read an article that he did a that he's doing a short that he did a short film. I don't I can't remember what it was called. I just read the title of the article. I didn't even really click on it. So, mm, all right, yeah, I'm probably speaking out of line then. Uh, according to Variety, Gavin O'Connor is going to write and direct the sequel for Suicide Squad. Uh, Gavin O'Connor did The Accountant and Warrior. Frank. Yeah. Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton film, Warrior. 
Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, so we're getting Gavin O'Connor in here to do this. And he's got plenty of time to uh, write this uh, this movie. Um, the rumor that I... <laughs> The rumor that I've heard. Plenty of time to rewrite this movie. <laughs> the rumor that I've heard is that Suicide Squad, the original film, was written in six weeks. So that's I completely can see believable. That. They are fast tracking this film, but they still have. They're still a few months out before they start filming. So they, I think, six months out before they start filming. So I, I, I think that he's got plenty of time to write something, hopefully good. Um, <laughs> one can only hope. I, I I think Gavin Frank. I you know, I love Warrior. I, I it's so good. It's one of the it's one of the best fighting movies I've seen, and it's got like that. I mean, but it it, it also goes to the you got to credit Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton there too. Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's got a lot of heart. Those two guys yeah. being brothers, they got they got a lot of history, and it shows. Oh man, that movie's badass. It is. So all all this praise, are you saying that you actually think they can write the Suicide Squad ship here? Yeah, I think I honestly do. I I, I uh, with Gavin O'Connor at the helm of this thing. If Warner Brothers doesn't fuck it up, if they if they let him do what yeah. they no, hold on, if they let him do what they let Patty Jenkins do, I think Gavin O'Connor is a talented enough guy that can give us a great performance out of Margot Robbie and Will Smith. I think I, I I think that this guy can do that. Now, will they? Will Warner Brothers step in? And and, and I hope not, man. I, I I hope that they give him more freedom to to write and direct the movie that I think that he can give us. Uh, Rod Clairbout, one of our listeners, recently watched The Accountant and said it was fantastic. Said he really loved that movie. So I'm I'm. I'm not counting it out. I, this is a lot better than them telling us, oh, it's going to be Mel Gibson or it's going to be, uh, who was that? Wom Collette or whatever. I mean, who, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I, I think that I, out of those three, I would take Gavin O'Connor any day of the week. It's just that, that first Suicide Squad movie was garbage, Jake. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dispute that. But, I, but no, I, I, but it seems like the same, like these are the same things we would say about David Ayer before we saw the Suicide Squad movie. It's just what makes me have a little bit of hesitation. I get it. I get it. But I'm, I'm trying to talk, I'm trying to talk about, I'm trying to think about this in a post Wonder Woman world that we are in now. Cause like, no, it's, it's a fantastic point. Hopefully that gives them the clarity and yes. the assurance to not be as, you know, heavy handed with their, uh, creators. Right. The, Justice right. League, Justice League has had its issues. Like that, that's had its issues. I mean, uh, Zack Snyder was on it. Goyer was on it. You know, they got Terrio on it. And now, now they got Whedon on it. I mean, I don't know what the fuck we're going to get with that movie. Okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, I still think that they can make, something good out of the suicide squad if they if they say all right well it doesn't have to be an earth ending kind of like movie like where they you know at the end of the movie you know they're they're fighting gozer and (laughs) you know it it can just be a more personal story uh as well it should be right and and more street level it shouldn't be harley quinn taking on a god which is just (laughs) it's fucking stupid it's fucking stupid. So um, I'm I'm really hoping that Gavin O'Connor, 
he seems like a he seems like he's got good sensibilities as a as a director and writer, and I'm hoping that I'm hoping that in this post Wonder Woman DCEU that that they're going to trust this guy to make a good movie and, and work with this cast that I do think has talent, and that if you rein them in and, and write a good story and don't like just rely on fucking bullshit music throughout the whole fucking thing and get rid of killer croc you know get rid of killer croc bring in king shark and make him look like fucking king shark <laughs> you know don't shove his snout into his face <laughs> right <laughs> have him look like bowser uh, i think we'd have more of a character driven story out of this guy as opposed to just a bunch of flash and, and no substance yeah are they bringing back Diablo? Is he coming back from the dead? Or you keep him dead? Keep him dead. I just keep him dead at this point. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Keep him know. dead. Rain it in. If anything, cut the pair the cast down. Yeah. It was a little bit too ambitious, I thought. That was another one of the thousand problems in the first movie was they really needed to focus on fewer characters. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And of course, they had to throw Batman in there and the Joker. And are, are you yeah. down? Are you down with that whole thing? Like I hear a lot of people say, like I think the villain of the movie should have been the Joker. Are you down with that? No, that that's just as stupid as them fighting gods. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like that yeah, either. It makes a little bit more sense, I guess. At least you're having villains do something that could be hush hush undercover, you know? Yeah, but I don't know. <sighs> Yeah, whatever. Suicide Squad 2. Hopefully it's good. I mean, who knows? Who fuck knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't even trust the trailer. This is a rumor <laughs> that's been out there for a couple weeks. I, 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 I've known about it. I hadn't reported it, but it's, it's, it's coming back up and, and people in the media, um, they're not, pub- they're not publishing a lot of articles on it, but they're talking about it. Uh, and that rumor is that Ben Affleck will be leaving the DCEU after the Justice League is released. He's not going to leave right now because it could affect people going in to see the Justice League. And they don't want to drop that bombshell until after the movie has been out and had a chance to kind of like, you know, make its money in the box office. So, but um, it's it's one of those things that Ben and Warner Brothers are waiting to announce his departure from the film. And... Um, it's it's this it's picking up steam. I don't know if this is going to happen, but this this rumor is picking up a lot of steam, and a lot of people are saying it's going to happen. So yeah, I believe it. I mean, all signs do point to yes, in my opinion. There's definitely way more evidence that this is going to happen than there was that Colin Trevolo is going to be fired from episode nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. um, THR. Uh, is uh, here's uh, according to THR, Warner Brothers is trying to get Martin Scorsese to produce this joke and origin, Joker origin story film. One of the bigger reasons they're trying to get him on as a producer to do this is so that they can entice Leonardo DiCaprio to sign on as the Joker for this origin story. Um, what do you, Jake, Frank? What are you guys thinking about this? Go for I don't it, Frank. think he'll do it. I huh? don't think he'll do it. It'll lower a stock. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if I'd want him to do it. To be honest with you, I, I, I don't know. 
I could see him doing like a Nicholson-ish, like a gangster type, but still, I mean, at this point, there's been some damage done to like the role of the Joker because of Suicide Squad. I don't see him wanting to dip his toes in, at least of all places, into the DCEU first off. Well, let's let's yeah. throw Scorsese think- back in, into this. Let's say Scorsese, and it's not a done deal that Scorsese's going to be a producer on this. It's not a done deal. No. Okay. So, but let's say they lock Scorsese. Is is there a chance that they that they get Leo in this role? And, and like we heard the rumor that they were going to go with a younger Joker here. And I understand that everybody's saying like, well, you know, he looks young. And well, you're acting like Leto looks like he's fucking fifty, right? Leto can Leto looks just as young as Leo, if not younger. Okay, younger we, in my opinion, huh? Young, I, I agree with you. Younger, he looks younger. Yes, I agree, man. Uh, you know, uh, Leto is uh, forty-five in real life, and uh, and uh, DiCaprio's forty-two. Three years difference, and they both look young as fuck. So, I if if the rumor is that they were going to go with a younger Joker, getting Leo in there makes zero sense to me. I think it's I think it's a hail mary. I think this is a, uh, a wishful thinking. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's definitely a Hail Mary and wishful thinking. I mean, if they can lock it, I'm sure they want to lock it. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I actually side with Frank a lot in this. I think the Joker's lost a lot of stock because of Suicide Squad. And I, honestly, I don't think people are, are as hype and clamoring for it as they once were. Yeah, they thought they wanted it until they got what they got. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you could show a Joker laugh at San Diego Comic-Con now and get the kind of response you did. I think your casual fans hear about a Joker movie and they're stupid and they're like, yeah, Joker movie. <laughs> I do. A jo- I'm, I'm, oh, jo- Joker origin film? Fuck yeah, dude. And it's like, it's guys like us that we know what makes the Joker so fucking cool is that mysterious, the mysterious element. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think you got, People, you know, fucking uh, juggalos and everything else. Yeah, man. Sorry, juggalos. If any of you are juggalos <laughs> listening, I, I you don't have to apologize to juggalos. Fuck them. <laughs> 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 so, like, dude, I'm just saying, like, I think casual fans hear about this, and also, I think this is gonna. It's supposed to be under this uh, separate banner, which we don't know if that's going to be an Elseworlds banner or whatever the fuck kind of banner this is going to be. So it's going to be separate from the DCEU. I think this is going to confuse the fuck out of people like they're gonna oh yeah so we got two jokers now or like what what's going <laughs> on here what, what, what and leto leto is kind of upset with this he 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 uh he's kind of miffed by like why like he doesn't understand why they're doing this like why you know i'm your joker why do you why are you wanting to get leo in there and it's almost like it's kind of like they're, it's kind of like they, they've created rivals out of Leonardo DiCaprio and Jared Leto now, like to compete of like yeah. who's going to be the better Joker. It's I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Even if they, even if they, I got, don't, I don't blame Leto for as much as I dislike Leto's performance. I don't blame his attitude. Like it's pretty insulting yeah. as an actor that right. to have to be seeing this kind of stuff going on. Yeah. So yeesh. This is bad situation yeah it's horrible it's just stupid i don't know joker origin story is the least thing and it's like uh you know yeah you say to yourself like oh i'm a fan of the joker i want to see that joker movie if you were yeah i'm not i, I guess i can't say like uh you're not a fan of the joker but like 
I would hope that a fan of the Joker would uh, would say to themselves, you know what? I don't need that story because I'm a fan of the Joker. And that's what makes the Joker cool is like we don't know his origin story. That's what makes him so goddamn mysterious and so cool mm-hmm. and creepy. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, if you're going to do Joker young stuff, I would rather just see – what he's doing i don't want to see like why he is you know right yeah it, like we his can motivations explore are always his, up in the air yeah we could explore his character but i don't need to see like the whole picture no, that, that seems very silly if you're gonna fucking do this shit like uh we saw in um you know batman v superman we saw the the, the suit of the dead robin show us that fucking story if you want to go into the past <laughs> Show me that fucking story. I don't need to. Yeah. I don't need to go back and find out like uh, how you know uh, Jack Napier became the Joker. I don't need that story. You know they did it in <laughs> Tim Burton's Batman. I don't need this '80s gritty style gangster Scorsese Joker story. And like, uh, yeah. Uh, so hey, Brian, what if uh, what if they did cast Leonardo DiCaprio? Would that change your mind at all? No, it wouldn't. <laughs> no, it wouldn't change my mind at all. Like I would say, like if they, if like the art, if I wake up tomorrow morning, uh, uh, fire up my computer, and it says uh, Leonardo DiCaprio cast is uh, the Joker for this new film, I'd be like, they got him, they got him, they got their guy. It doesn't change the way I feel about the film. Yeah, no, I, no. I, I like I said. Yeah. I completely agree. If they did it just a Joker story from the past, that's fine. But yeah. The whole origin thing. Ugh. Yeah. But then, but then if they tell the story, they tell the story of the dead Robin, whether it be Jason Todd or whatever, they tell that story, Jake, and it's a different Joker than Leto. It's, yeah. You think Marvel has continuity problems? Oh no my shit. god. Yeah. Fuck the timeline. Now you got completely new actors and a whole banner of films that aren't even related to the DCEU, confusing the fuck out of your casual audience. So <laughs> they're going to have to do the crisis on infinite earth movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not excited for it. And if you, if you're excited for it, good for you. I think you're kind of dim, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I think you're kind of dim. It was on my mind. I said it, you know, whatever. Yeah. Here, have a cup of Christ. Perk you up. Oh, man. Cup of Christ coffee. Cup of Christ coffee. Yeah. One cup's all you need. Oh, man. Bad thing is, I'll tell you what. Three days to kick in. Well, I'll tell you another thing. It can take a whole lot of lumps, too. Of Of sugar. Of sugar. Of sugar. Sugar. All right, that's all I got. We got emails. I'm going to save them for another time. We've gone. Hey, I got one thing real quick. Yeah, go for it. Uh, The boys, that comic from Garth Ennis that I read. Yeah. uh, It looks like uh, they're going to get a Amazon series. Oh, really? Script order. Yeah. Uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. uh, They got a script order for it at Amazon. It's looking to get picked up for the whole series. Well. Fuck, dude. That's awesome news. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about that. Well, I mean, you know, and like, uh, you know, you would have told me like, you know, two years ago, though, Seth Rogen's involved. And it's like, I saw what he's done with Preacher. And, you know, we're getting the mm-hmm. season finale for season two coming up on Monday. I, yep. 
I've seen what he's done with Preacher, and I, I'm impressed. I feel like uh, you've got somebody in there that respects the source material. I think you're going to – and this is Amazon. Holy shit, yeah, man. They'll get away with a whole hell of a lot more, and they'll need to for this fucking series. Yeah, well, Preachers, they've been, they've been dropping F-bombs on that show this season. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So. Break down the barriers. I, uh, <laughs> they can, uh, you know, um, I think it's, um, every, was it Walking Dead, they can get away with using the F word one time a, in a season. And they, I don't think that they've, I don't think that they've ever done that yet on the Walking Dead. I don't think Dead. they have. No, mm-hmm. but they, they, they've done it on Preacher. So. But. Yeah, that's all I got this week. This episode fucking sucked, right? Oh man, that DC news really took it out of me. I can't lie. <laughs> yeah, it needed to be reported, man. No, no, no. We do God's work. Yeah, <laughs> cup of Christ, right? Ah, <laughs> 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 yeah, we're, we're all going to hell. All right, guys. Oh, I've already had it there. Yeah, and just like all good. Well, go ahead. What are you talking oh, about? I, I was going to rap. I think I'm going to watch Stranger Things. I don't think I've watched it except for the one time. Yeah, you need to watch that shit again. It's yeah, not. I'm going to turn that on right it's, after it's, this. It's good, but it's not. It is not Stranger Things, man. No way. No yeah. fucking way. That shit's. God, Stranger Things is fucking great. So good. Oh, yeah. I, I think I gave it my best TV series, Tuppy. I think you did. I think he did. Is this gonna win, is it gonna win best movie this year? <laughs> no, but I mean, TV and movie is a completely different game. Are they? I thought they were the exact same game. <laughs> You'd be surprised Jake, how many no. people think they are. Thank you for clearing <laughs> that up for me. I thought TV and movies were the same game for the for my entire life up until this moment. Well, I know, but you, you kind of alluded to that by by saying it had to be best movie if it was better than Stranger Things. I know. So Clarifi- it's like- no, clarification game. You're playing the clarification game and you're the big fucking winner. <laughs> big fucking winner. I know. It was like it was like murky waters for me, man. I didn't know what the fuck I was saying. I'm like I'm rambling saying stupid ass shit. Clarifying Jake. Clarification Jake. <laughs> Clarifying Jake. Clarification. Clarification Jake. Thank you for that cup of Christ reality, Jack. <laughs> Dude, I'm an idiot. Uh, we're done. And just like, just like all, all good leftovers say, what are we doing next week? Do leftovers say, do all leftovers say that? What are we doing next week? Just like all good leftovers say, what are we doing next week? They know they're going to be there. Fuck the juggalos. Hey, everybody, let's all talk. Fuck juggalos. I heard, uh, Frank saying cup of Christ or something. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) is there anything next week big next week uh no no i think next week we could just fucking talk about whatevs this is uh yeah just fucking wing it i'll just make shit up yeah (laughs) yeah yeah punisher feeling that punisher is getting renewed for seasons two and three without even the you know the first (laughs) season coming out uh (laughs) netflix just got bought by apple uh oh uh, yes big apple press conference on tuesday yeah is there yeah cool iphone x made out of a toilet <laughs> frank's got the early scoop yeah speaking of scoops that cup of christ <laughs> right 
Anyway. Fill you up. Fucking, fuck Indiana Jones 5. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. If there's any anything, I'm... Oh, I'd rather see Justice League 8. Oh, God. I'm so upset. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're, we're going in circles. <laughs> we're back to Indiana Jones now. I know. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> What's the timeline for that garbage? 2020. What's the timeline for this garbage? When can I fucking hit stop on this record? <laughs> Just cut me off. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. What timeline for Indiana Jones? When's yeah, that, when's that bullshit coming out? I think 2020. I think July 10th. But let me check. I got the date. Hold on. Ugh. <laughs> July 10th, 2020. Wow. That's going to be a bad year for movies. Comes out on 7 10, 2020. 2020. Stay. Yep, hindsight. <laughs> oh, man. Hit stop. All right, huh? d- yeah. Just like all good leftovers saying their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. See you next week with 202. We'll be back in 202. <laughs> Chuck, <laughs> Chuck Woolery. Little Chuck Woolery there for you. <laughs> I've been waiting. I've been waiting to say that, Jake, for fucking two hundred and one episodes. Two hundred and one episodes. I was like, I got a Chuck Woolery joke that's gonna fucking slay him. <laughs> I think. I think our podcast over the two hundred two episodes has had quite a few Chuck Woolery jokes. <laughs> oh my god! I think this episode. I think we've jumped the shark. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have. Are, are we still recording? Yeah. Hey, you know that movie? <laughs> you know that movie, Forty Seven Meters Down, that came out. Sure. No. Oh, the one Mark Wahlberg one. Huh? The Mark Wahlberg movie? No, I don't. Forty Seven Meters was... Down wasn't that the the shark movie? Oh, it's the shark one. I was confusing that one with the oil rigger movie. No, no, not that one. I don't think. Now you get now you got me second guessing myself. <laughs> Fucking cup of Christ! Hold on. <laughs> I found a transformer. <laughs> now I got it. Now I got to look up forty-seven meters down. Forty-seven. Here we go. This is the two sisters vacationing in Mexico are trapped in a shark cage at the bottom of the. That ain't no oil rigging shit. All right, so it's a shark movie. You know what the sequel's called? No, 48 meters? Yep. Oh, God. <laughs> One more meter. They went the additional meter, Jake. That's the way you do it, you know? That way you can keep advancing each movie instead of like, oh, you went 80 meters down, now you can't even do a third movie. You don't have to. Naked Gun went two and a half, then they went 33 and a third. Oh, yeah, you could really <laughs> you could really slow it down. Yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you seen 47 meters down? No. No. I don't know. I I saw The Shallows, which is the other shark movie that came out, I think, you know, last year. It was okay. It was good. I love the Vulture headline. 47 Meters Down sequel is literally called 48 Meters Down. (laughs) (laughs) Vulture is so scathing. Yeah, they are. (laughs) They're like, we can't wait for that stillborn movie to come out. Oh, God. That's crazy oh yeah all right hit hit stop all right yeah see you next week guys thanks for listening to pop culture leftovers congratulations i don't know how you did it i couldn't do it
You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap.